Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want, you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yeah. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm sure somebody's written that one. Pounder with cheese and France, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, ale with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see. I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my. my progeny to you of a mighty marvel beast <laughs> <laughs> but neil adams is somewhere going mm, it's, uh, it's my time uh, <laughs> how do you measure success hey everyone and welcome to superhero speak i am your host dave and john jd head poop uh, and this week, boys and girls, we have a guest with us. I, I was recently messaged on the podcast. I was a guest on the Gutting the Sacred Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast, where I tore down the beloved Days of Future Past movie for all the X Men fans. Uh, I wouldn't say that you you tore it down. I would say you attempted to tear it down. Oh, so. Uh, of course, we have with us the one and only Kevin Goatee. How are you, sir? Gentlemen, it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you for having me on this fine evening. So so before we were recorded, I told Kevin I had an issue, then I wanted to bring it up on the show. I realized after we recorded the show that what you guys, I mean, first off, I love the show. You know, I, lo- I oh, thank was you. honored to be on it. it it's I, I've been listening, but and it's an evergreen podcast, which is great. You guys don't have to worry about current nerd news or anything like that but you guys did something precarious you put yourselves in the hero position and anyone that's a guest has to tear down a loved movie you know like well do we agree with them is the question sometimes we we go yep this movie fucking stinks sometimes you go "Eh, i'm not gonna die in the hill for it it's it's fine or you're a piece of shit and this movie's great and you're wrong so If you need somebody to nitpick, you had the wrong you had the wrong guest on. No kidding, the nitpicky guy (laughs) just said something. (laughs) I'll go after anything, man. (laughs) The guest, the guest picked the films. We don't, except once a year, we pick a film that we want to do and and gut. So last year, we Kevin and I did. He did three hundred. I did. Oh my god, what it was? Oh, the Princess Bride. The year before that. Yeah, oh, no, yep. I'm sorry. Over. There are some things that are sacrosanct. You, you can't. Not, nope, nope. That film is terrible. That film is terrible. Go listen to the episode. Why? The year before that, Ooh. he did The Shining, and I did A Christmas Story. You know who would agree with that Shining take? It's Stephen King. I almost said Spielberg. Uh, we, oh, we know. Cares. Oh, we know. We know. We, we we know he hates it. So yeah, that was on it. But yep, those are just some of the ones that we've done, and our guests have done. If you if you think that's fucking infuriating, some of our guests have done the following films. Uh, Die Hard, Matrix, Back to the Future, Star Wars, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Avengers Endgame, let me think, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Breakfast Club, Scream, I mean, this week's episode is going, I know the one that's going to come out, we just wrapped up Mission Impossible, last week was, fuck, what did we do, I'm blanking, oh, 
The Batman. And this upcoming week, as we again taping it, will be Beverly Hills Cop. The original? I don't know of a reboot, so yes. <laughs> There's a, there is a two. There is and a three. But the, but the, no, but three, never also three, three never happened. <laughs> you can, three three, oh, three oh. fails my sequel test. Oh, well, actually, yeah, because my, my sequel theory is a following. Gentlemen, <laughs> you are free to use it with written permission from me. The sequel theory is this. The original film, so two parts. One, you cannot have the sequel released more than 10 years after the original. Never works out. And the very rare exceptions here and there, I can give you a couple cases. And number two... You cannot have the original be an R rating and the sequel be a PG-13. Never wears, never works out. Like all of those movies you mentioned, they're all like mainstreamers. I was expecting stuff like Carnosaur or, you know, Manos, the Hands of Fate. Ah, so John, 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 you don't know our criteria. So what makes us different and better than every other movie movie podcast out there, we invite guests to pick a film, as you know, we had said, that they find overrated or hate. But here is the twist. It has to be one of these criteria. It has to meet one of these three criteria. Why they beloved, critically acclaimed, or financial success. So you can't come on and go, Friday the 13th, part eight, it's a real piece of shit. Yeah, we fucking know that. So that's why we give the uh, the platform for those with an unpopular opinion to try and convince the masses, hey, guys, wake up. This shit sucks or it's overrated. And that's where we say, yes, we agree. Eh, it's fine. Or you're an asshole and very wrong. So the Star Wars prequels are definitely within scope then. No, because you're right. They are financially lucrative. But my goal is when people look at the episode every week, I want them to have a visceral reaction to the film being chosen. Mm. Like Beverly Hills Cop, you go, what the fuck? If someone comes out and says the Phantom Menace sucks, everyone goes, yeah, we know. So, <laughs> duh. You know, the only, the only, so people have done, the only Star Wars films left I would, or would, would allow is Empire. Jedi has been done. Empire and Rogue One. And I'm possibly leaning episode three because I think episode three is very good and very underrated. The other ones, we did, we allowed less Jedi right when, when we started up the show. But no way in hell would I allow for Solo, Episode 9, and Episode 1, and 2. They were just, everyone knows they're just sub subpar. So so know the room by Tommy Wiseau, right? No, because everyone <laughs> fucking, it's, you know, it's a piece of shit. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a satirical, like, ha, ha, ha. I love watching it because it sucks so hard. But everyone's done that already. Everyone's bashed the room. Now, the artist, I mean, would people get angry about that? Would I allow that on the podcast? Probably not. I mean, it was an enjoyable film. I liked it. I'm sure you guys probably did too. But are you going to give two shits if the artist gets taken down? No, you are not. See, but hmm. that one—that one you could do the opposite. Like that one, yeah, it's so bad that it's good. So you could have but somebody come on. People have and- done that. People, <laughs> how did this get made? Does that? True, We're not. Yeah. How did this get made? We're doing the films people love, made a shitload of money, or won awards, and have the balls to come on and say fuck this film and stand <laughs> against the masses. That's what we do. We'll never that bad shitting on bad films. Everyone does that. Everyone does that. So that's not us. So what's everything- your stance? What's your stance on Titanic? Oh been done we did it uh karen karen did it oh god karen margolis did it i need to listen to your show this sounds fantastic yeah it does pulp, i'm a fan pulp, thank you thank you go on your uh, go on your old the old podcast platform of choice click subscribe and leave us a five star rating two or three sentence review <clears throat> if possible I, I every week for, every friday or saturday I, i'd I be rooting for the i'd be rooting for the guy that's like tearing it down so <laughs> i i have one i bet sometimes you, you do go Which ahead inglorious bastards Ooh. Did it. It's been done. Really? I hate that movie. Oh, thank you. All, I tried to get through it. I couldn't ter- even get through it. 
I hate it. All the Tarantino, I shouldn't say all, the ones <laughs> we, we've that have been done. Pulp Fiction, Inglorious, Hateful Eight, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Django has not been done, nor is Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, and Jackie Brown. Those are the, am I missing one more? T- oh, well, Death Proof like- and whatever. I don't think you Death Proof it? would count. I, 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 I would be surprised. Death Proof. Death Proof sucks, but I'd be surprised if that bet your criteria. I don't think it sucks. I don't listen. I hate it's it. one of the, <laughs> I don't hate it. It's fine. I don't, but it's definitely not, uh, it doesn't pass my remote test, which I get of course it. being, yeah, but it's, it's, I don't think it's, I don't, it doesn't suck. It doesn't I, suck. I like your criteria. I like, this is very intriguing. Thank you. And I'm sorry that I haven't listened to it before, but I'm going to do a big old big shame on you this weekend. I know shame, shame <laughs> upon me. He, he didn't even listen when I was on there. So, you know, what have you listened to the podcast? I guess it on Dave. Thank you. If, if since you guys are the fans of the, obviously the comic book stuff, one guy besides Dave makes it his personal vendetta to take down X-Men movies. He's done X-Men one and two. Wow. I mean, oh, and, an, and another guy did Logan as well. Wow. Huh. Hmm. What a brilliant concept for a podcast. I love this. You know, <laughs> compliments find your way right here, right to my heart, baby. Well, yes, it is I like brilliant. It. I like it. I will, take, I, will, I will take a bow and say I, will, I also agree. I think it's brilliant, but thank you. I hope you, I hope you jump on and download everything right now while we talk. <laughs> <laughs> Pull it out. Not your penis. The phone. <laughs> it's not a video show, so you got to clarify that. Yeah, the yeah, phone yeah. is out, not my penis. Although it's I could fine. call my penis. Or the, penis, or, the pe- or the penis is out and not his phone. See, guys, if it's not a video call, you don't know what we're doing here. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Meow. All right, then. Uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> so, so I'm going to start with the, with JD. You've been quiet a little bit here. I have. How's your okay. week been? Um, there's stuff there's stuff going on that I cannot talk about as of yet. But I but I want to put a pin in that because I had an interesting week. But not, but I, I can't talk about stuff yet. This is like a career changing stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in it. I'll say intriguing. <laughs> then why bring it up? <laughs> I let people go. I can't talk about I got something going on. I can't talk about it. That as it, like, show, it because inter- because I actually want to talk about it, but you know <laughs> it's um, completely I awesome love- and it'll change everything about what you think about the world. But I can't so, say anything. Not the world. <laughs> not the so world. The, so the most the, the most guilty people who do that are stand-up comics because I'm a comic and I see it. Be like, got something big coming. Can't talk about it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, until wait, you wait, sign I... on the line that is uh, until you sign the line that is dotted. I have something too. But I, I haven't said shit ask, except for five people. Does that have something to do with something you kind of mentioned last week on the show? Oh, this, no, this kind of came up out of the middle of nowhere. Oh, okay. Do I like need a, to be killed again? Good job. You're going to be killed many times. Then nothing will stop that from happening. I plan Excellent. on killing you often, <laughs> often and frequently. Um, I'm so well, happy. Other than that, just co- just spent the week. Summertime's here, so I got an all-star team I'm coaching. The look on our- Kevin's face is is priceless. Is, That's okay. <laughs> see, see, JD is an author, and he's written books. And when he does his Kickstarter, one of the uh, things is... Reward tiers. Re- one of the reward tiers is you can be a character in the book, and you can be a character who gets killed. John keeps buying the characters get, get gets killed. I've been killed three times. I can't wait. I'm going for I'm going I one more and I get a free Sunday. That's true. <laughs> they got a punch card. That's cute. Yeah. So, yeah. So so people are clear. JD's not actually gonna kill John yet. So <laughs> Day is young. How was your week been, John? I'm coming down off. I was saying this before we started recording. I'm coming down off a week of vacation. I took a few, uh, a little time off for they're redoing my driveway. And I figured might as well take Tuesday off too, since Monday's a vacation. So, you know, I got some stuff done, tried to start working on the book again. Eon timeline is really interesting. They, they've updated it so that it can actually 
sync with Scrivener while you're typing. So now it's really interesting that all your timeline points, you can like attach them to points in your, in your manuscript. So, and you don't have to open just one or the other. You can have them both open at the same time, which is really nice. So beyond that, you know, I'm just lamenting all the things that I did not get done that I want to, but I did get a lot of other things that I wanted to get done, done. So I'm just, you know, kind of enjoying my last day of vacation. There's done and then there's done, done. Just making sure we yeah. clarify. Oh, and, and while I was gone from work, I get a call on Wednesday. It's like, yeah, the they, they decided to take a stick and just mix the entire organizational chart around with it. So apparently everything's changed. And now when I go on a Monday, like I'm going to be in a new group and all this, it's like the hell I'm away for one week and everything goes to hell. So should be interesting. That's all work stuff. Oh, I'm reading. I'm reading again. So JD, I'm going to catch up on all your books now. Cool. I actually read an entire book today. You. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm, I'm being rude because we praised Kevin and his podcast and we talked about, I didn't just ask, how are you? doing kevin especially yeah. since i saw you last well we had time you know <laughs> yeah you know and you're, oh do we even mention the name of the fucking podcast everyone goes what is it about gutting the sacred cow i don't know if i mentioned that or not it's yes. gutting gutting yeah, the sacred bro. cow okay yeah <laughs> the artwork i think is fantastic yeah how am i i'm fine i'm fine i have an endeavor too that i'm waiting to get a contract signed for and we'll, <laughs> but i can't talk about it now it's not uh, it's not there I actually, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. We'll see. But no, it's just like you all said, summer's here. Fuck the winter and uh, let's go out. Yanks are rolling. Rangers, you know, today they had a loss, but you know, can't, life's all right. Not bad. Having fun. Yes. Go Yankees. Get some field goals or whatever they oh. get. Like, no. <laughs> you're the, you're, you're the, the sports guy. What was the thing? Yay, local, local sports team. That's what it is. You, you, the Simpsons, you, right? Yeah, if you go to like defranco.com, he, he's got like merch. And one of the things is a, a t-shirt that just says sports on it with the explanation yeah. point. And it's like, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing I'd buy because I have no idea what <laughs> I don't follow it at all. I I pick I picked it up pretty fast. Yeah, you sure. saying that. I, go, up, up, I got you. <laughs> and you reveal to everyone that you either live in New York or northern Jersey somewhere. I'm in North Jersey, yeah. Yeah. I'm in North Jersey, yep. <laughs> Yankees. Ugh. And Rangers oh. don't ask me, they're the best team in baseball, and numbers don't lie, my friend. <laughs> hey, I, I was a Yankees guy too because I, I'm originally from Connecticut. Sorry, there you go. You, you don't know sports, John. One of, one of the <laughs> first mistakes I made when I moved down to Pennsylvania was I went into a sports bar and like there was a Yankees game on, and I went, Yeah, Yankees, and everybody in the bar stopped and turned around to look at me, and that's when I realized that Philly fans are freaking dudes. are the worst yes the worst john the first mistake the, the first mistake was not you going to the bar saying yay yankees the first mistake you made was actually moving to pennsylvania that was your first right mistake. yeah I, true true two, two divorces says yes look at you you old, look at you you old master coxman you so yeah uh, but it was only like after i moved here it was only like a year later that i guess they threw one uh, an opposing team's fan off of the second floor balcony during an eagles game and then they came up with Eagles Court. Sounds so about right. To, Sounds yeah. about right. I know, right? Those miscreants. <laughs> yeah, nothing worst. like that happens in Chicago ever. 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 <laughs> right, right, JD. We're, the White Sox are so mediocre right now. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> we have the worst manager in baseball. We had a young team with a lot of potential. That's doing he's absolutely going to the Hall of Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame, that manager. I wouldn't say he's the worst, but for now, he's he not. can't he's old and can't relate to the modern player. That's the problem. And when the players maybe it's that your your bullpen maybe it's your bullpen. Bullpen's also terrible. 
That is also true. But you're also not hitting very well. So No, you're not. Man, my buddy, uh, Bill Schultz from uh, Morning Show. He's a huge White Sox fan from Chicago. So we usually go to the Yankees-White Sox games. I went last year. I had the uh, distinct honor and pleasure of going on that Friday night game drunkenly going, watch it. It's first and second, top of the ninth, no outs. White Sox up. I go, watch him hit into a triple play. Next pitch, five, four, three, triple play. These four guys, he called it. He fucking called it. And Schultz goes, how? How? And, of course, the Yankees went in, in, in the bottom of the ninth, and everyone goes, I'm happy. But, uh, yeah, it's like you guys, we were beating the shit out of you until this year. The last time stand, we lost two out of three to you guys. Mm-hmm. So there's your next movie, Major League, you should do. Oh, No one's done it. It would, it would 100%, 100% be allowed on here uh, on, the, on this podcast. That's one easy one. We have what else we have coming out down the pike? Tommy Boy and oh. Apocalypse Now has been selected too. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's yeah. Dark. I can see that. I can see why somebody would hate Apocalypse Now. I don't know if I agree, but I get it. I get the criticism on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see. People it. got balls. So I'll tell you what: you watch a lot of these films again. And I'm because I'm the one who usually does all the booking, and I'll get the film choice first, and I'll know. I go, oh, this motherfucker is in for it. Or, oh, this is going to be an easy one. But, you know, the first time you watch it, like, so Mike Price, actually, he's a writer for The Simpsons. He did his first time, he did Batman Returns. I go, good luck, dude. Batman Returns is great. Watch it again. Oh, no. It's not as good as we all remember it. Hmm. We also did did Batman 89 very recently. And, boy, 12-year-old Kevin was really pained to have 45-year-old Kevin tell him, it's not as good as you remember it. It's got a lot of problems. See, we actually yeah. re-reviewed those movies and we kind of went in from the opposite point of view, not thinking they were very good and being surprised because I think we went into it thinking, ah, these movies aren't as good as you remember them. And like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. So mm. we went the complete opposite route of thinking these are terrible and thinking, eh, that's all right. Yes, but yeah. more of remembering, think, remembering movies fondly and then going back and watching them and thinking they're terrible later on. So I have a question, Kevin. Yes, sir. This is obviously a nerd-centric podcast, and we're all watching Obi-Wan. Are you watching? currently watching Obi-Wan? I am. I'm, I'm, I did not get a chance to. It's been a busy-ass week to watch episode three yet. Uh, okay. First two, I knocked on the plane. Don't say a goddamn word I, with any luck. Actually, I will tonight. You know what? Fuck it. I'll make it a point to do it while I type up my notes for the podcast. Uh, I like what I saw the first two episodes. I'll have to watch Barry tonight, too. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but the first two episodes are good. I like I like the first two episodes. I'm like, all right, I'm there. It was funny. People go, whoa, how does Obi-Wan not recognize Leia? I go, hey, dickhead, he was dead when she was in the, with the with the other guy when went, went, went to the Death Star. So he would never have met her, you morons. I didn't get to see the third episode, <gasps> too, funnily enough. I saw so, it. Cool. Yeah. We'll cover it, next, we'll cover it next week. We'll do it. We'll two. cover it next week. Yes, John. Definitely watch it, Kevin. Definitely watch it. I am. Oh, I am. Yeah. The memes are strong with this one. Then. Oh huh? my. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's good. It's 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 really good. So I'll leave it at that. As long as, as, long as it's better than Boba Fett, that's all I want. And there's people that are screaming into their phones right now because uh, of everything that happens in Episode Three. Oh, so Luke <laughs> shows up again, right? I mean, come on. Uh, no, no Luke yet. Yeah. All right. So then, no Jar Jar yet either. Shit. Oh God, no. <laughs> All right, we'll see. Can't talk Obi Wan. We're gonna go to John's favorite oh, part of the show. So we do we do a, a section called Social Media Madness. You Kevin. know, slander is a thing, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Where 
we take tweets and replies, replies to some of our tweets and things that are tweeted at us. And we talk about them on the show. They're good conversation starters. So one of the things we talked about last week, we, the trailer for Andor came out. Did you see the trailer? Came out from a Star Wars Celebration. There was a teaser trailer. There's a new Disney series called Andor based on the character from Rogue One. I think I didn't see that trailer. I don't think I yeah. did. If I, if, much. if I did, I just it didn't re- it didn't resonate with me. If, that, if I if I did, which I don't think I did, right. Which, but the basic yeah. question is like, are people excited for this show? Do they really want a show about him? So no. this is kind of what we talked about last week. And Teak Lore said, "No, Disney killed off any interest." Mm. No, uh, I don't know about that. Like he meant in general of all Star Wars things. I don't know. I don't. Or if he meant just interest in this show in general. It's very vague, but well, there are a lot of people who don't like any of the Star Wars stuff since Disney bought it. But then again, there's all these people who love Mandalorian and now Obi Wan. So whiny, whiny nerds, whiny <laughs> nerds. Yeah. Now, when we talked about uh, the possibility of fatigue, though, with something like this show, I was just gonna say. I mean, Disney doing all this, it's just. Isn't it weird that we thought at this age we're like I'm sick of Star Wars shit, <laughs> or even or even Marvel shit because we were getting one film every eight years and now it's just it's been beaten to a drum. They're stretching out so thin for plot lines to develop new characters. Like all right, and then they go and say let's go to the well and do Hawkeye. No one fucking cares. I didn't see Moon Knight. I didn't give a shit. I tried Scarlet Witch was good. I like that. The um. Loki, who gives a shit. Same thing with Star Wars. I mean, Mandalorian's good, but then they come out with Boba Fett, who gives a shit. I mean, they fucked that up. By the way, Boba Fett, one of the most overrated characters of all time, without question. Well, without after, question. After seeing that, yeah. I mean, no, like, no, 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 no. You were thinking were... this years ago, years ago, saying this. Before he goes out in Jedi, he goes out like a complete bitch. Everyone's saying how badass he was. He went out like a bitch. He had an eight minutes of screen time in Empire. Okay, nothing that crazy that warrants that kind of adulation. Then it comes out in Jedi, and two scenes later, it's done. And everyone goes, Boba yeah. Fett's a bat. No, he's not. He's oh, so overrated. I'm sick of that train. I'm sick I of that. I see which side you were on in the Return of the Jedi episode for your show. <laughs> it's like... Wrong. I <laughs> like Jedi a lot. Jedi even, uh, even the bear, teddy bears? <laughs> teddy bears. Look, we know, listen, we, we know they're annoying, but the third act is so fucking good. Well, the Luke, Le- the Luke, excuse me, Obi, bleh, Luke Emperor Vader shit is gangbusters. That whole tension is brought to a perfect boil and then released magnificently. And Han, listen, I hate to say it, Han Solo sucks in this film. It's just he's mailing that shit in that in his performance. Yeah. He, Han Solo wasn't Han Solo in Jedi. And after I've seen that film, how many times without, now with my jeweler's loop on with this podcast, I go, Jesus Christ, this isn't the guy we fell in love with in 1977. This guy is just fucking moonwalking, or sorry, sleepwalking. That's a better one. Moonwalking would be kind of cool. Sleepwalking <laughs> through a performance in Jedi. And it's just like, yeah. Again, it slogs here and there. First submitted, but I'm still... I'm still fucking down with Jedi. For, uh, the for Emperor is so goddamn good in that. It really makes uh, it drives the film. I agree with the, the Boba Fett statement because he's like, much like Darth Maul a generation later, he's he gets by in his look, right? He mm-hmm. looks cool. So people think he's he's cooler than he is. And then when he has opportunities to do things, they really don't really don't do much. At least Darth Maul has a cool lightsaber fight that he dies in. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. that's dies, great. quote unquote. But yeah. I mean, it's not really like doesn't really live up to the potential of what you think he's going to be. He, Boba Fett's completely like he doesn't do anything of any value other than stand around and look cool. 
you 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 just described the the consciousness of the entire United States basically. It looks cool. Yeah, no substance, but it's cool. Fair. It's what it's what advertisers <laughs> it's why advertisers do so well here, you know? <laughs> and politicians. But anyway, <laughs> you digress. All right. So so John, we actually got a question from a listener this week. I didn't do it. Nobody said it. You can't prove anything. <laughs> Cassidy Warren, who's at authors, C-O-H, uh, said, at, uh, write to us at Superheroes Pick, why is Batman getting darker? He represents justice. When so little is found for the common person, he is the patron of the downtrodden, the knight who gives all he has for the crusade, as injustice becomes more prevalent, as it is in Gotham. There's more. <laughs> The means to oh, connecting the wrong requires immersion in the darker corners of society. As he accesses, the, he has access. We can only dream. He has the means, the powers, the powerless is, do not it, injustice. Uh, the what? Here, here, here. He is the means, the powerless do not. Injustice is oppressive and allowed to breathe. But Batman stands in the path of its domination. He has become an icon of doing what is right, and what is right requires skipping the bureaucracy. And that has allowed injustice to thrive. He mean he his mean does justify the ends, and that tale requires breaking laws, bones, and the backs of powerful who have enjoyed a life without consequence. Dark methods to battle the dark. That's not bad. This must have been one long dump. This guy or girl wrote this long ass tweet. Obviously, because we were talking about Batman 10, not minutes, that long ago. So this obviously was in. There's a lot more. Uh, thought behind that than most of the tweets we get. I mean, no, for sure. What are, are are a lot of them? Fuck you, you suck. Is that what the tweets are? Like, from kind of picking the 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 vibe up you're putting down there. Or Pretty no? much, yeah. It's, no, okay. All no, right. we I don't mean, get a lot. No? We don't get a lot of those. We get a lot of like, okay, bad opinions and bad thoughts. But a lot and of people don't the, listen well, to the show. Welcome to the internet, fellas. But <laughs> like, they're not. They're from I mean, lots. Many people Twitter, don't listen but... to the show. This mainly from people uh, don't okay. listen. Yeah, this, this person actually, you can tell, listens to our show and puts thought behind sure. it. Right. So, you know. It's but but they they've described Superman. Right. Right. That's Superman, not Batman. No, right? Superman. The end. The means don't justify the ends. It's the opposite for Superman. Right, he's justifying. He's th this person is justifying why Batman is getting darker. But that it, like. Because the joke we were talking about how you go from Batman 66 to Batman 89 hmm. to Batman Tur Begins turns. to now the Batman, which is the darkest Batman we've got on film so far. You know, he got darker in the comics in the 70s. We all know this. But yeah, soon you're going to have to turn your contrast all the way up on your TV to be able to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point is that like one of the issues you can't have Superman. Be, we talked about this before. You can't have Superman be dark because then. There isn't a, a, a counterpoint with Batman being dark, but he's getting the, the whole our argument was him using guns and killing is not Batman. Like, right. So. It wasn't Batman versus Superman. Get us started um, on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by, by, by the by the way, did it on this very podcast. Nice. What was the result? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought so. Take a, take a guess. There are cool moments in there. Very cool moments. Some of the fighting scenes are very Arkham Knightish, Arkham Asylumish, and I'm all for mm -hmm. that. All for that. I don't, but, uh, I, agree with this. I don't know if I agree with this person's take. In fact, I definitely don't agree with this take. I mean, like, hmm. Batman, I mean, the whole point of that movie was Batman can't, I mean, like, literally at the end, he's like, I can't be this dark. So it was dark on purpose, right? Like, it was trying to make that yes. statement. Like, yes, Batman is getting darker. And then he's literally in, the, the sun is literally coming up and shining on him when he's giving a soliloquy about why he can't do this anymore. You know? 
Right, the Batman, yes. So, I mean, that's steering into the skid. Yeah, no, I agree. Fair enough. So, this is a good one. So, we've been talking about how actors in the MCU are actual people. They age out of things. They can't keep going forever and and whatnot. And Drew C., another repeat uh, offender on Social Media Madness, said, with the topic of the MCU, does Disney do the opposite of the princesses and do an animated MCU for the new universe. It would be a good way to reboot and give it a distant, a distinctive feel. See, so, now, th- this is see, this is like the thing. For the past like twenty five years, Marvel has has done great movies, but their animated stuff hasn't been that great. Mm-hmm. DC killed on the animation, but their movies. I did, I just, I disagree. Marvel Spider Verse is fucking bonkers. Oh, it's Spider-Man. bonkers. Yeah. I mean, it's not, they're not bad, but they're not, they're not as good as the DC. That's also, that's also not Marvel though. It's Sony. Sony. Did. It's not Marvel animation. True. Yeah. Fair, 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 fair. But I, um, I, every time I think that, I know it, there's a distinct divide. I know that. I just always, I don't divide it when I think, I hear Marvel mm-hmm. go all one, all one umbrella. And I, again, I know Morbius is Sony, but I always say Marvel. I, again, I know it's not a Marvel studio. <laughs> it's Sony. It's a piece of shit, just like Venom 1 and 2 were. Got it. I know. I just don't differentiate. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying, John, but, and I think they tried that with what if, right? Like, Hey, look, we can go animate it. And, and that wasn't bad use voices. And then people I, won't eat. And it yeah, wasn't I, bad, but I don't know. But like, I, I mean, with the multi, the thing is like, they've, they've really invested themselves in this M this, the, the Marvel cinematic universe yeah. in live action. So right. there are opportunities with the M with the MCU now and the multiverse <clears throat> to cross over with animated stuff. I mean, they passed through a universe that was made of paint. So like, you know, anything's on the table basically. But the thing is I that think... they've kind of they've kind of locked themselves into the if they do some animation stuff has to be part of the MCU. He's about to say something. I believe JD is the reason why they can't go animated. He's in a good example. You oh. didn't watch What If because you didn't like the animation. No, I didn't like the one. No, so I didn't you wouldn't go see an uh, um, animated movie in the theater. Not, I would have, well, here's the thing though, is like we've had generations now of animated Marvel properties, right? And they've mm-hmm. always been TV properties, right? These, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I hate to use the term elevated, but it, it told us that it was bigger. And I don't think that you, because this person, because Drew, my buddy Drew, is talking about having an, an animated ser- an animated universe kind of replace the MCU. Right. And I don't think that would do that because we've, we've educated an audience for generations that animating these things makes them less than and not as important. So I think that, rep- could you do it? Sure. Would it replace the, the MCU? I don't think that would work. Just pure marketing wise. I don't think you could actually just replace it and say, these things are all animated now. I don't think it could be fun and they could be good, but I don't think it would work as like a replacement property or a replacement vehicle, you know? Yeah. I don't know, Kevin, would you go watch an animated Marvel movie in the theater? Depends what it was. Depends who the character is. It's, um, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I can see that too, sure. right? Depends. Depends. Spider-Verse 2 has got my money next yeah. year. Yeah. But I know it's not. It's Sony, I know. <laughs> I mean, even even a broken clock is right twice, right? So hopefully those two times are, you know, the, the two Spider-Man <laughs> movies. The, the, Three. The, well, the... Yeah, well, the into the Spider Verse movies, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then finally, it's not social media madness without mentioning our good friend Tim Jones. He we had talked about gore 
the God Butcher. We finally got a look at him in the latest trailer for Love and Thunder. And we asked people what they thought of the look. And Timothy Jones chimed in with, he looks constipated. <laughs> also, he looks like a malnourished <laughs> Uncle Fester in Gandhi's clothes. Wow. That's fair. That's, I mean, I don't know if I agree with the sentiment, but they checked all the boxes. Like I can see the, I get I just, the comparison. That, that was kind of mean coming from Tim. I'm, I'm just shocked by that. That's, That's true. That is definitely more mean spirited than the guy who tells dad jokes. Sour grapes available in finer newspapers across this country. Mm. There you go. There, there, there's the shout out. <laughs> all right. That is all the social media madness for this week. So if you want to know how you can be part of social media and follow us on social media and be part of social media man wow i said that so messed up this week here's our good friend d square to tell you more enjoying the show want to be part of social media madness make sure you are following superherospeak.com where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page while you're there you can check out old episodes of the podcast as well as some other great content check the site often because we are posting some great comic reviews as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at Superhero Speak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network include great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Colt 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, The Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. All right, thanks for that, Don. Don't forget to check out the Omega Level Nerd Podcast, available on YouTube and wherever podcasts are available. And one more time, Kevin, while you're here, why don't you tell people where they can find Gutting the Sacred Cow? GuttingTheSacredCow.com answers all of your questions. We are on YouTube. We are on every single podcast platform known to man. And we're also right now in the metaverse at the Joe Community Room in the metaverse. Whenever you're done beating off with VR goggles on, why don't you come on over? <laughs> come on over and watch us uh, have a guest come over and try and take a film down. While you while you go in your refractory periods, guttingthesacredcow.com, GTSC podcast on Twitter. If you want to advertise with us or just stop by to say hello, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. It's Bang. good, clean Ke- family. Kevin, go to you. All right. And we're, on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break so you can keep whacking off with your <laughs> wow. VR goggles and we'll be right back. Why? That's a question for you. After these messages, so jd i heard you recently interviewed a couple of movie creators yeah i did uh, my buddy kurt belcher who's a comic artist and uh his friend bobby smith are working on a movie they got an indiegogo campaign out for it it's uh, a pretty sweet idea for a horror movie and i'm really digging it i've backed their indiegogo campaign because uh, you know me i love i love doing this stuff i love talking with creators and i like cool ideas and these guys got a really wild idea for a horror film so i sat down and talked with them for a few minutes all right well let's take a listen hey i'm jd oliva and i'm here with my good buddy kurt belcher and robert christopher smith and we're going to talk about your new indie film spread so let's start off tell me about spread and and where this madness idea came from 
It, it really is madness, right, Kurt? It kind of did spring oh, yeah, almost literally from madness. Kurt and I are buddies, and we both were born and raised in Kentucky, but we've never met. Uh, I live in California now, and we've been friends for well over a decade, and uh, we're going to cure that soon. But we're, we're almost a good example of the kind of characters in this movie because of the fact that we know each other like this, you know, like you and I know each other, J.D., like mm -hmm. this, you know, by screens. And we were, it's not to ramble too much, but... I made a movie called Vengeance Turns. It's a female Western. And I wrote it five years ago. We finally filmed it in October of 2020. Along the five-year journey of that, Kurt did a lot of concept art for me. I, we would just be chatting just as friends, and I'd be talking about a picture or something in my mind. He'd be like, I'll draw it. I'll get it over to you. And this is after we'd known each other for years. And he was like, mm -hmm. hey, do you mind doing you know, some sketches mm -hmm. for some characters and masks and like weapons and things that they use in the movies? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. For sure. It just it grew and grew to where really, whenever I refer to, you don't even know if you know this, Kurt, but I always refer to him as the art director on that movie because of the <laughs> fact that he did so much of the art development and helped me with like visualizing. And when you ever see the movies, a lot of what Kurt and I came up with visually ended up on the screen, you know. So we've been and through the uh, tie-in comic as well. Which through the tie-in comic, absolutely. So there's Vengeance Turns Volume One, Vengeance Turns Volume Two. The, what we ended up filming was a 135-page screenplay that was too big, especially for an indie. So we cut it in half, did the Kill Bill thing, volume one, volume two. And we just screened volume two last night for the first time. It was a lot of fun. I was, I was, it's, it's got incomplete effects and stuff in it, but the people who were there were really impressed and I was nervous as heck, but, but they really enjoyed it. So Kurt, there's volume one, volume two in the movies and Kurt drew volume three. So Kurt drew a comic book that literally overlaps with the mm -hmm. ending of the movie and then carries it does, on. The yeah, it doesn't just pick up or dovetail. It, like, it starts before that even ends and goes it, it, on. It, it overlaps, sort of so you kind of see the last scene again. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's sort of what Bobby uh, had always told me is that, you know, I wish I could have done this in the movie, but it was just too far out of our budget range in order to yeah. film that yeah. last scene. So it, we it, made the comic the last scene. And that kind of almost describes like the process of working on spread to a degree because of the fact that it just came out of conversations like the comic book came out of conversations and me telling Kurt, you know, if we had more money, we would have done this. And I would, you yeah. know, blah, blah. He's like, well, we're going to make it happen. And we drew the comic. He drew the comic book. We, we put out we're putting it out soon. But when we have these conversations about movies, about comics, about COVID, about being trapped inside, about about the, the good, the bad, the ugly of the whole lockdown and stuff for the past couple of years mm -hmm. there were a couple of different ideas that we started talking about but one is i'm 53 kurt's in what mid 40s 47 so we're both in that og range for like the slasher stuff from when we were kids like you know yeah. grew up watching halloween and friday the 13th, halloween, friday the 13th nightmare on elm street all that stuff and and we just were kind of chatting about it and we're also chatting about film writing and stuff like writing screenplays and stuff and while we were talking one day uh and I tell this story a little bit off the beat, off the way it, it really happened, Kurt. So bear with yeah. me. It's it's kind of my it's kind of my <laughs> formal formalized interview version. Yeah. But, but basically, while we were talking, Kurt was like, essentially, and this is boiling it down. Kurt was like, well, "Why haven't you ever done a slasher?" No. If, if you know, with that being how, or we, or any kind of horror film, really. I mean, like right. like that's the thing that everybody's like, yeah, these indie directors, they always want to do horror films, and right. that's the, part of the way into making mainstream movies. Part of the genesis, right? Yeah. Of, of becoming a director is you do you you cut your teeth on a horror film. Yeah. And and I was like, well, I just feel like, especially with slasher stuff, that so much of it's been done. And Kurt's like, oh, so what you're telling me is you have no idea. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, ah, okay, I see. 
And so we really just started talking. I said, I got a kind of an idea about, and it was just a general idea. I said, with COVID and everything, I really am sympathetic to this generation of kids who have graduated high school and or college during this time and have been trapped inside because I feel like that, that that's at this part of your life when you're graduating, especially college, where you are literally coming out of your cocoon. You no longer can be your, your parents' kid. You can no longer be the high school kid, the college kid. There's no more effing excuses at this point. Now you're out and you've got to basically go on with your life. And so it's been really interesting and sad. I'm very sympathetic as I see these people who seem to be trapped in their cocoons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and they're, of course, they're doing everything they can to not do that. They're reaching out online. They're doing everything they can. And now we're allowed to go back out and stuff. But during that time, I, I thought, look at these people who are trapped inside. There's a lot of mental illness going on there. There's, th- that's, the, that's the breeding ground for a horror story you know, on a lot of levels. And I said, so what if, you know, imagine that a group of kids, a group of 20-somethings, I'm sorry, not kids, I'm old, <laughs> that a, a group of 20-somethings go out and, and trying to kick away from COVID, like right after the COVID thing breaks and everybody's allowed to go out, they're like, let's run a house, let's get drunk, let's, you know, and the girl's like, oh, and I'll fix up your friend with my friend and we'll have a romantic weekend. Never works that way. We know that, even without COVID. But they're all desperate to see people and da 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 And once they get out there, I said, what will happen is another person's just going to show up. Mm-hmm. That's not part of their thing. And, and that reminds part- me of my original uh, title for it. You remember what it was? Blind Date Massacre? Blind Date Massacre. <laughs> that's yeah, I love like, working titles. Like, I love oh, working titles, man. Title. <laughs> I love working. And we, we actually went through a lot of working titles. And at one point, I had a bunch of them written on a page. But yeah, Blind Date Massacre and Pig Killers were two of the early Pig ones. Pig Killers. That was, and, and a couple of days ago, uh, somebody was asking me about, you know, Rotten Tail and Spread and everything. And, and they were like, what is it with yeah, you? I, yeah, they were, well, that too. But they were like, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about your pigs movie. <laughs> and I'm like, pigs movie? Oh, You're off the yeah, rabbits, man. Yeah. I love the pig thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so when we were talking about it, I said, you know, it'd be really cool that like this girl just shows up from out of nowhere and that that what you end up finding out is that she she's coming there as a victim, but that that's not true. That She's actually up to something really, really sinister. And then you find out she's connected to one of the people. I'm spoiling a lot of stuff right now, by the way. You find out that she's connected to to one of the people there, and I'm gonna go ahead and say it, Kurt. Not only that, they're brother and sister. They're they're intimately involved, and it, it gets worse than that if you can believe it, JD. Yeah. And so they they basically kind of set out on using the rules of horror that have been canonized, you know, that have been laid out and you know formalized through horror movies like Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, yep. and all that our whole lives, but then canonized and and put into stone with Scream. You know, when the whole thing of you can't have sex. You can't do drugs. And we just built a lot of that right in the movie. So it's a little meta, like mm-hmm. Scream. And to yeah, lean into that was the one Scream of our main idea. goals was to try mm-hmm. to be kind of meta like Scream was. But and we also people know about to... that. We started off like that. It's two killers. Yeah. It's self-referential right from the yep. beginning. So and one like... of the other things, of course, is we wanted to be very modern, have very, like, very modern social commentary involved with it as well, which is something we'll get into in a minute. What were you going to say, Jay? Oh, I was going to say, so is this like, would you guys call this like a deconstruction of a horror film type of project? Hmm. Or are you more leaning into what the slasher film really is? I think leaning into it, but in it, with the idea of there being some satire and okay. some, some some irony buried in it. Yeah, you know what we I mean? really wanted to include some humor in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we were talking about this last night, Kurt. The, mm-hmm. the whole cast and crew got together last night, JD, for the first time ever. 
Mm-hmm. Well, not the crew. We're still building the crew, but the the cast: Melody Para, Ian Peterson, McKenna Perkel, Jacob Ethel. Uh, gosh, who else? Baraka Walston, Stefan Davis, Sarah Maliski. Uh, Sarah Maliski. All of us got together, and my God, first of all, what a beautiful group of people, man. We were all really excited talking about the movie, and they, and this one of the boyfriends or husbands walked over to me, and he was like. <laughs> So I'm listening to you and, 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 I've, and I've been working on the script with her, you know, at home, but hearing you talk about it, this is like funny. <laughs> and I said, I hope so, man. I said, I hope a lot of it is. I said, I think some of it will make people literally like not want to look at the screen if we're doing our jobs right. They'll want to look yeah. away. But I said, at the end of the day, I think, especially as they're walking out and talking about it, I think a lot of them will start laughing and going, incest? Really? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, when we think about some of the moments in there and some of the stuff we came up with, we just kind (laughs) of, you know, just start laughing about it. Like, man, this is going to be wild if we can actually pull that off. Once we kind of saw what we were doing uh, and literally we we started typing back and forth, we opened up a Google document and we just started typing back and forth to each other about what if this and what if that and this character and that character. And Kurt created the first rule. I told him who I thought a couple of the characters were and then he said about kind of creating the initial roster and then i added like uh smash fruit guy and, and mazzy and some stuff like that i'm playing smash fruit guy and, and so after, after we kind of had the story laid out and we kind of knew that we were kind of going to do this i told kurt i'm obsessive compulsive he knows this and he is too to you know his own degrees or whatever however he wants to talk about his area on the spectrum is up to him but 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 i told him i was like dude i'm gonna watch every fucking horror sorry about that i was like i'm gonna watch every horror movie that 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 i can find like in the next month and i watched 50 horror movies about 100 hours of content counting all the Halloweens, all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, most of the Friday the 13th i watched the entire slasher series on netflix I watched all the Scream series on Netflix. I watched all the Scream movies again. I watched uh, Last House on the Left. I watched I Spit on Your Grave and went through all this stuff. And I'm a nerd in case you can't tell folks. And so I sat there and I just took notes the whole time watching this stuff and going, okay, this is in every one of these movies. And this this never happens, of course, because that's in the 70s. We don't have stuff like cell phones and da 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 And we just kept talking about this and picking it apart. And we, without like, we wanted to make it meta. We wanted to make it serious, though. We didn't want it to be like scary movie or something like that. Yeah, we weren't trying to be like a total comedy or no. We wanted to brutalize it. You know, we wanted it to be brutal. Mm -hmm. And and but but as as we started writing the screenplay together, we really found ourselves literally just peppering in everywhere, like stuff like this is directly from that. You know what I mean? Like two killers from Scream. The way that one of the killers, like the idea from all the horror movies that you can't have sex or you get killed they, they kind of i think show that for the best in the in friday the 13th part two yep when they're in that bed and jason comes in and right through Spear through the back mm-hmm. yeah and and i was a kid when i saw that and it automatically put a thought in my head that i couldn't get out until kurt and i wrote this movie and we wrote something that takes that to an exponential level that scene yeah, that was that, that's really one thing we tried to do. We tried to take everything, all those tropes, and c- yeah. create a classic slasher, but from a modern perspective. You know? I, I love how you guys are talking about dissecting the tropes and embracing what works and what makes these slasher films really kind of stand the test of time. And I love talking about the subtextual levels of what this is. But like, mm-hmm. shoot me the high concept. Like for someone who doesn't know what spread is, like what is uh, what's my hook? What kind of gets me in the door? 
you do it, Kurt, and then then I'll I'll, I'll give it my spin if, if I see anything missing. But I, I'm really interested to hear how you do because I've done it so many times lately. I'm interested to, to see what yours is. I don't even know how to how to describe it. I mean, I I'm, start off right with saying it's a slasher movie. I say it's yeah, slasher it's a slasher horror. movie. It's something that ah, I'm trying to think. You go ahead and say something, Bobby, and I'll so, try to figure out. It's it's a it's a slasher genre. It's a slasher horror movie that pays homage directly to all the classics and greats in obvious ways, while advancing the 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 medium, the, not just the genre but the medium as well, because. Uh, we want to do things that make it relevant. And so without trying to make it a message movie, which is hard to do with a slasher movie anyway, mm-hmm. we did want to embed, uh, again, like we we're talking about irony and stuff. There's a very, very, very strong spine of political satire mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so that would be my kind of elevator pitch. Yeah, what and we really wanted that? to throw in something like what Jordan Peele does in his movies, Get Out and things like that, you know, with social commentary. And, you know, one of the big things we were talking about was, like Bobby said, the pandemic, you know, and trying to to break out of the pandemic and get back to real life and all that and how that just sort of is cut off, you know, literally in some cases. And and I wanted to address extremism. Mm -hmm. I wanted to address extremism because I was telling them last night that I'm, 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 I'm stressed out, man, this week again, right? And and I'm stressed about being stressed now and I'm stressed now about being stressed about being stressed. It's become a whole thing. And and this is like, yeah. And I said last night, I said that we are all being forced. And I'm assuming that I'm talking about both of you guys as well, that you're not doing this voluntarily, that we're being forced to live in a world where we are force fed hate and violence in reality. I'm not talking about on the screen. I'm talking about murder on a daily basis to the point where my parents, when I was watching these movies as a kid, like, you better watch out. That's going to desensitize you. You're going to grow up to be a psychopath. And no, no. Allowing our kids to grow up in a world where people are being slaughtered and we do nothing about it. That is desensitization. Mm -hmm. When we can walk around in a world where that's happening and shrug it off, there's something wrong. And so when we were talking about extremism in this, I, I thought, you know, the ultimate idea of racism, when you look at it, is, and here we are, three white guys pontificating on racism. Yeah, yeah, it's white guilt, right? <laughs> so, but, but the idea of racism being that really, it's not even, when you boil it down, you get to like the old royals and stuff, where it's even, it's, it's not even the same color. It's got to be like in the bloodline. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up taking this movie to a very dark yet very ironic, very humorous in the dark way place by the end of the movie where really the ultimate vision of the manifesto of this killer or killers in the movie is basically creating like a nation of inbred morons, you know, a, yeah. great, a, a nation we, of violent inbred idiots. Yeah, we really wanted to comment on the extreme politics of white supremacy in, in a way, you know, and... One of the, the way ways that is that just so really normalized. To, yeah, it is. And how I mean, it become, gets normalized. It's become so foundational for the for politics, for law enforcement, for all these things. It's become so foundational in the United States. You find people and, who are are are, in, are are vulnerable, and you groom them. You know, and it's not hard to do, yeah. especially like I said in this world today. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's we called it spread because by the end of the movie, this is critical: is that the idea of of bad information spreads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and 
by the end of the movie, it really makes sense to people what they've seen because phones appear on the screen all the way through the movie. And one of the reasons for that is we want people to see it and know that the movie is like their world. It's filled with this. And then at one point, the power goes out and so do the phones. And that should also make the viewers feel a little uncomfortable. Like, oh, no, where are the phones? Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, the power comes back on and all these phones start populating the screen because everybody in the movie, when they get killed, another spoiler is because they're all self-involved. Even the best, nicest people in this movie are very self-involved. That's mm-hmm. the world we live in today. Mm-hmm. And so they're always trying to upload themselves, you know, panicking because there's no Internet. and They're trying to get their picture or their video to upload mm-hmm. and then they get killed. And so at the end of the movie... Like in the old movies, like we are probably very familiar with like uh, American Graffiti, even Stand By Me, stuff like that, where they update you at the end. You know, he became a senator and married his high school sweetheart, you know. We want to give a little twist on that by putting these phones up on the screen, helping people relive those moments and then having comments on it on their Instagram, which we call Procrastogram. The followers are called procrastinators. And uh, people like one of the characters name is Aishan. He's a Muslim kid who is very overshooting all the way through the movie, trying to get laid. He really wants to be with a woman really bad, and but he's overshooting in a bad way. We've all been there. We've all seen it. We've all been this kid. And at the end of the movie, he's dead, and his murder is uploading, and there's comments underneath it going, oh, he's so cute. You know, where's my little Muslim angel? And stuff like that. You know, that's... So, like, the pigs. I got to, like, how does that relate to the story? As, like, someone who doesn't really was on the outside asking questions and i've seen the pig stuff everywhere and i'm like okay how how does that and how does that entwine in this story well kurt do you want to take a stab yeah for that one we created a fictional character called hampson and his creator jeffrey lofty daughter who has you know who started out with the best of intentions with this character to sort of tell these stories that are incisive about current political events and that kind of thing that was the thing with Hanson is that he was the curious pig. He would always ask he just questions. Ask questions. Uh, yeah. And uh, that would sort of make people think, well, maybe he's right about those things. You know, any questions? Yeah, like that. Uh, but Jeffrey Lofted sold the rights to it and kind of That's became the cartoonist a cartoonist who created Hanson. Yeah. And, who actually uh, created a fictional character to create a fictional character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he sold the rights to the character and got rid of it. And, but he kept the uh, publishing rights to it. But after he saw the commercialization and people that had kind of co-opted it for this alt-right symbol, you know, taking his character that, are, that is supposed to be a sympathetic, sort of humanistic character, asking questions about terrible things, and it. turned it into something that would promote terrible things and terrible oh, ideas. Yeah. yeah. Did you Are you familiar with that Pepe the Frog situation? Of course, yeah. So a lot of my actors aren't, man. It's funny because really? they're not as into comics and stuff. Yeah, and I had oh, explained okay. it all to them. And I was sending them links and showing it and familiarizing. And that guy really was hurt oh, yeah. know, by what they did to his creation. Yeah. And uh, again, this is in that idea of what happens through things spreading, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that something becomes a meme, it spreads. Now it's out of the control of the creator. Yeah, and that character sort of becomes a symbol of those dark corners of the internet where all that recruiting takes place for these extremist elements. You know, for okay. a lot of the alt-right and a lot of the white supremacist elements out there, he sort of becomes a mascot for that. Okay. Which, the guy just, <laughs> yeah, those are one of the masks, uh, which one of the guys, which the guy kind of just loses his mind over and becomes a total recluse and disappears. Yeah. Nobody knows where he is now. So Yeah, people can actually look it up. We, we've, we've created our own little viral stuff out there. So That's cool. If you look up Where is Lofty Daughter, you can see little videos where I have people that are harassing this fake. One of my friends in acting class is playing Jeffrey Lofty Daughter, which the name Lofty Daughter is a name I made up. It's Icelandic. 
but it doesn't exist. That word doesn't exist. Lofty means heir and dotir means daughter. And so I looked at uh, Calvin and Hobbes because Bill Watterson also had his, not as bad as Pepe the Frog, but had a little also bad experience with the commercialization oh, yeah. Yeah. of Calvin and Hobbes. And uh, so I took water, son, and made heir, daughter. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Jeffrey, I see that. Je Jeffrey Lofty daughter. And one of the cool things, again, to tropes of horror movies is that we open the movie with a murder. A woman mm -hmm. gets murdered. And then we immediately cut away from that murder to some people going on vacation and as you meet every single character, even hear about characters, they don't have to appear on the screen. Every person becomes a red herring. Like as the, the two characters you first meet after this murder happened, you're like, I bet one of them is the killer. And then mm -hmm. somebody pops into the front seat. You're like, oh, no, 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 it's probably that guy. And then that guy starts talking about this cartoonist. And they're like, I bet that cartoonist. Is and then they the get killer. somebody on a, on a phone screen. Well, well, maybe it's them or maybe yeah. it's that guy. And then they meet other characters and they're like, well, maybe it's that guy. So you know, everybody through the movie is a red herring. Every everybody. single character. Every time we introduce a new character in the movie, we have people thinking that might be them. And sometimes it's because they literally, like Aishan, is wearing this while he's driving. Yeah. <laughs> but they all talk about Hampson. A lot of them have the tattoo. It's so become like, a big symbol in this it, world. It has spread. It okay. Has spread. Okay, that well, makes sense. Which, do you remember, I don't even remember Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses. He got in a lot of hot water when he was wearing the Charles Manson Oh, yeah. Okay. Shirt. And everybody was like, oh, he doesn't know what Manson really is. And he doesn't understand how bad Manson was. And that's sort of what these characters are. Right. They're like, like, we have these Hanson tattoos. They're awesome. They're stylish. And they're like, but that guy's have a murderer. Have you seen where this, there's a killer, there's a rapist out there yeah. who's using this as his symbol. Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, that guy, that, that's a mascot for like alt-right white supremacist okay. murderers out there. So that's, that's sort of where the pigs came from is that they, they turned that into a mask and a tattoo and a whole movement that now is coming to fruition in the modern day. Gotcha. So one thing that really interests me about, you know, independent creators is funding and distribution of these type mm -hmm. things. And you've just launched an Indiegogo campaign, I think, uh, as a recording. Thanks this for bringing that up. Yeah, yesterday. That, that does, it fascinates me. I'm an independent author myself, so I'm always, you know, trying to find new ways to kind of get the work out there. Uh, so tell me a little bit about this Indiegogo campaign. Real quick, uh, sure. make sure that we get links and stuff on anything that you've got working right now, whatever your most current is, and we'll take and get oh. some spread out on that. I appreciate it. For that. You. Thank you. Thank you. So let's uh, talk. Tell me about yours. Tell me about what you got going on right now. I mean, this this Indiegogo campaign, it's interesting. Take me through it. We started building it right back, before, right as I started casting, before I even started casting, trying to decide. We looked at a bunch of, of Indiegogos that are uh, a lot of campaigns that have been successful, a lot of campaigns uh, that have not been successful, and looking what was good about the ones that were successful, what was wrong with the ones that weren't. And if you go look at ours right now, you can tell there's a little bit of a progress thing going on it just because there was so much going on, but it's it's almost overwritten right now is the problem and so but ours is uh it's it's spread pigs to slaughter easy to find it you can go to our website spreadthemovie.com spreadthemovie.com it'll take we, you right there and to a lot of other links and instagram sort of like a link hashtag spread the movie is a real yeah. easy way to find us but but the indiegogo what i did is i basically i put a lot of different options on there i leaned into both sides of this this the spread side so that people can like get pens t-shirts uh collectibles from the spread merchandise side, or they can get stuff like Hampson. They can get Hampson pen, Hampson t-shirt. We had Michael Spivey, who uh, actually drew Hampson. 
He was our Jeffrey Lofty Dautier. He's the real uh, old Jeffrey Lofty Dautier. He, he is. And it was funny because he didn't even know what we were doing at first. We kind of like <laughs> just roped him into this. We're like, we're thinking about this thing. And this cartoonist is crazy. And da, 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 da. And eventually we gave him the screenplay. And he was like, whoa, <laughs> uh, what, what were you guys doing? But um, so again, trying to use the marketability with Why the Pig, it, it also was the commercial side. We wanted mm-hmm. to have... <clears throat> And all these masks, one of the things when we were talking about slasher movies was I was talking about that nothing new happens in that genre, you know, that that only with like Scream and then they kind of elevated it. Williamson and, and Craven kind of elevated it. And I was like, we need to do something uh, on our own. I, I don't want to just have masked killers. If they're wearing masks, there's got to be a reason. So we ended up taking that very to heart and really creating mythology with Hampson, Lofty Dottier and all that. But we also knew and we talked about it right then. We said, but this is also, Kurt, you know, we're talking back and forth. We're like, if we're doing this right and this works, then we've got a marketable asset mm-hmm. on our hands. We can use our we can use this for our Indiegogo. We can use this once the campaign is over and the movie is out in the world. We can use these. Car- we, we paid Michael Spivey to create over 40. He's on his way to creating over 60 of these cartoons of these comic strips. Yeah. And probably if things go well, we'll keep on having him do it. We've got, there's been fan art. If you go to the Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram at Spread the Movie, you can see fan art that fans have done. There's more coming. Sean Seal is giving us some fan art, which is really cool. What's um, the, oops, sorry, go ahead. I, no, I no, I was just going to say, so we're trying to really integrate all that and really give people options. One of the coolest things was we did character covers. Oh. So, because again, this comes from my comic book, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so we have the standard cover for the DVD. And that'll be available, you know, to even the outside world. But just through the campaign, people can get that or they can get if whoever their favorite character is. And there's a lot of beautiful men and women in this movie. So they don't even have to know them. They just go, wow, she's hot. Wow, he's hot. Then get the individual character covers. And if they're like big time collectors, then get like the, ki- the collector kit, you know. So yeah. I really did try to put things out there that appealed to collectors. Stuff that was cheap, though, also, because that's like $800, you know, to get the collector's kit. But there's also a $15 pen. There's a $10 shout out on social media. And Sarah Maliski, who plays Eileen, she'll give as part of that shout out. She's on TikTok and has like 300, 350,000 followers. You know, so you would be our the people that we're asking to support us. We are going to support them. You know, we, we want to be in contact. We want this to be like where we're in touch with each other, where it's a community. That's mm-hmm. beginning with our me and Kurt. And then it spread out to the actors, mm-hmm. now to UJD, and now to the audience. I really look at this as a grassroots movement, man. I've been explaining this to people about the Indiegogo. And I'm sorry, I know you still got a question. But the, the Indiegogo for me, besides funding the movie, is pre-building our audience. Mm-hmm. We're really, truly doing a grassroots thing here. I we are the studio. studio. We mm-hmm. are the studio. All That's of us exactly. are the studio. There's no studio interference. There's no producers to come in and say, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know... No censors that can come in and say, oh, that's... We can't blame thing. anybody. Yeah. We, we're taking the responsibility, but we're also taking the glory. Mm. But I think I interrupted you a while ago. No, while I was no. no, no, it's really cool. I love, like I said, uh, ind- independent creator guy myself, so I love, I love listening to stuff. I love when creators talk about doing their own thing and creating their own movement, and this is this is really cool. What's mm. your funding goal, though? Like, what are you trying to pull out to get grand. this? 150 grand, okay. And and it's really funny because it seems like a big number, but it's not. When you make a movie, uh, what's called micro-budget filmmaking mm-hmm. starts at $1 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you're <laughs> under a million, you're not even in the micro-budget level in, in this town. So 150000 is not that much. You're talking about a cast of about 10, 11 people. 
you're talking about having practical FX because Kurt yeah. and I are both, again, old school and we don't want to do something where it looks like this when we shoot it. And then we do, we probably add blood and stuff in post just because. Yeah. But there's one very graphic scene that in particular that we want to do practical. And I'm in fact, I'm talking to a guy right now. I, I'm, I'm going to name drop him. His name is Sven Grandlund. <laughs> I love these Nordic name. names, I guess. Yeah, he's he's also I believe he's from Kentucky, guys, but he's in L.A. like like me now. But he's done he's done uh, prosthetic and and makeup for stuff that you'll you'll have any problem recognizing Deadpool. Yeah. American Horror Story. Several episodes of that. So this guy's got the legit cred. He's a friend of a friend of mine. We've been friends on Facebook for 10 years, but just now connected in a businessy way. And uh, so that 150K is to pay people like Sven to have somebody from the quality of Deadpool, have somebody the quality of American Horror Story involved in our little adventure here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to also hire... just have one, basically one location, which is that's helpful. it, the house. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we, but we'd we'd like to hire. We've got two kind of roles: the lady that gets killed at the beginning, and the cult leader Pug, uh, mm-hmm. who shows up <laughs> at the end. We'd like sort to hire pivotal roles, pivotal, but 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 day player, if you know the Hollywood lingo, meaning they yeah. don't need to be there more than a day or so. We'd like to get some named, recognized, because the people I hired are professional passionate, real working actors for this movie, mm-hmm. but they all are available at a rate and that I can access them. Whereas people that have recognizable names, they may not be any better actor or any better quality, but that name carries a, a financial price. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we'd like to get two of these people involved. And so again, a, a chunk of that 150K would go to those people as well. And then getting it, you know, festivals and things like that, but having a better crew, lengthening the length of the shoot, better effects, taking more time to shoot the FX, bring in those name brand actors. Those are the things we're trying to accomplish with that 150K. And interestingly, I had somebody approach me, a couple of filmmakers a couple of years ago when I was working on Vengeance Turns, oops, my Western, uh, I had a couple of filmmakers approach me and tell me that when I was running like a $10,000 Indiegogo or a Kickstarter, they said, that's not good, man. For a film, don't do that. They said it looks like it's either not legit film, you know, because who can do that for nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars, or it looks like you don't know what the you're don't you don't know what you're doing that you're way out of your league because you're saying, hey, look at me, I'm gonna make a western for nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and uh, and so both these guys that I was talking to independently who who approached me independently, both gave me the same number. They're both like, don't ever go under a hundred thousand when you're doing crowdfunding for a film because it won't look legit it just no, yeah, you know what people i mean won't, people won't take you seriously if you right, don't have makes, a certain level of money involved that makes perfect sense like you need to you need to play in the big boys realm if you're gonna get treated like one of them yeah so, i mean it yeah. seems like we were me and bobby were talking about it seems counterintuitive you would mm-hmm. think less money would be better but it's actually if you ask for a higher amount of money then people are like yeah that's for real yeah it's a real because yeah, no one thinks the movie can be made for two for two three grand right yeah. you need to, you need to you need to put bigger stakes into it, so to say. Now, for, now having yeah. said that, I hope people watch Vengeance Turns or get the act, get the get the chance to. Anybody that wants to, by the way, if you're watching JD's program, you can reach out to him, reach out to me on Twitter or on Instagram. And if you really want to watch Vengeance Turns, I'll send you a, a screener link and a password. I'll, I'll sneak it, sneak that out to you. It's in festivals now, so I can't put it out publicly, but I can sneak out little private screeners. So anybody that's interested, I'll get those out. But I want people to see what I can do on almost nothing. And that's what we did on Vengeance Turns. Mm-hmm. We literally did. We filmed 
two westerns. We filmed a 135-page screenplay with horses, with guns, with with a lot of background, five locations, Big Bear, all over California. And we did that on about, I almost feel like I'm shooting myself in the foot by telling people this, but we did that on less than $50,000. Wow. Yeah. And so with with having a legitimate budget, we can make something that stands right up there with the big boys. We can do And it something. was a period piece as well. So you had yeah, a lot costumes, of that. You had, have, you had to build wagons. You had to build some locations. You had to have the clothing, the accurate clothing and all that. So. With 150K in this movie, we can do something that will stand right beside the classics like Halloween and Friday the 13th and the original Scream and stuff like that. It'll stand right beside them. There won't be a bit of difference in the quality. People will be like, that is a multi-million dollar movie. And we'll be like, no, that's what, when you don't have studios involved and all those little fat, greedy fingers getting in there, when you just take a, a, a talented cast and you reach out to audiences who really want to see quality horror and say, hey, come watch this. We're going to make something worth watching. Then you can do it on a lot less money than what the studios want you to believe. And I'm here to tell you that as somebody that's been around it on both sides. I've been in the big productions on one side and I've been in very small productions on this side of producing it. I'm telling you, man, a lot of money gets wasted and a lot of money gets straight up stolen. It's like the Pentagon and $5,000 toilet seats <laughs> when you're in Hollywood. As yeah, and, and we're here to tell you that that money is going to go straight into this movie. None of it's, it's going, going to, to the talent. It's always yeah. going to be, go, it's going to go somewhere. It is going, it's going to go, to go to into somebody's pockets. It's going to go. Somebody is going to uh, make, make it better. The, the, the people that make the movie are going to benefit from Every dollar will make this movie better, and that yeah. we can promise. And Perfect. and if 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 we don't hit our goal, and we have to start cutting, Kurt and I have already talked about it. We'll the first two people that'll take cut. You know that, and without us, the movie wouldn't exist. You know, yeah. but we're the first two to sit there and say, "Hey, this should happen." You know, so you know. As we wrap up, tell us one more time where they can find the project and where they can learn more about you guys. What I love is just the spread the movie thing. I felt incredibly lucky that we kind of own that hashtag. People talk about spreading things. If you look up hashtag spread the movie, that's us. That means we also have spreadthemovie.com. We're at spread the movie on Instagram. Spread the movie will help you get to us. What do you think, Kurt? Yeah. Just look up spread pigs to slaughter on uh, Indiegogo as well, and that'll take you right where you need to go. Yeah, I would love it. Anybody that it's right now, it still says it's for 24 hours. We're still inside that first 24 hours. I don't know when this is going to air, but just because they saw this, if they. I'll leave the picture up even without the thing. If they if they go to our Indiegogo and back us at any level, they'll get the print from Kurt. If they do virtual, if they do a like a shout out, they'll get a PDF. If they do any physical, the, the I'll, we'll literally send them the print with it. It's a Hampson print that Kurt did as Derek, one of the characters from the movie. Meta. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to be jumping in and supporting the campaign. I hope everyone that's thank listening you, and watching this does the same thing. I can't thank you guys enough for joining me today. Thank you enough, dude. And we want, we want to help share your stuff. So please you know, Ab- get it, get it our way. Absolutely mm-hmm. guys. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, boys and girls, we are back and you know what? I'm in the mood. Let's just get right into it. We'll we'll do that discussion topic another time. Sorry, no. I'm here. It's no, the only no. reason I'm here. No, no, we're going to talk about the movie. The question oh. that we had about from Kason. We got well. We had a question. We talked about Kason's other question. We'll do Kason's other question next week. So I'm sure he'll submit something or her. I'm not sure if it's a they. man or a woman. They will submit something else before next week anyway. But 
The reason Kevin is here is we're oh, going to yeah. talk about a classic, classic movie that is a cult classic, if anything. It's a movie that, JD, you bring up at least once a month on this Minimum. show. <laughs> it's one of your all-time favorite movies, mm-hmm. and that is Big Trouble in Little China, 1986. Yeah. So, I'm going to go around the room. Of course, I'm sure this is something we all saw when we were younger, and now we rewatched it for this podcast. So, I'm kind of curious... Did it hold up in your childhood memories, or did your feelings for this movie change? And we'll start with our uh, guest this week, Kevin. So uh, you said it right. This is one film we all have seen as kids. It was on Channel 11 nonstop. There have been, I don't know, not long ago, it's been on cable ad nauseum. And as I said before, the remote test, as we call it on our podcast, is whenever you stumble across a film on cable at any point of the film, you drop. do you drop the remote and go, yep. I know what I'm doing for the next half hour, hour or two, whatever it is left of the mm-hmm. film. This film gloriously passes the remote test for me. I fucking love this film. I always have. I always will. And boy, I can't wait for someone to walk into that bear trap and try and come on our podcast and go, uh, I'm going to try and take that big trouble in Little China. Good mm. luck. Good. <laughs> Looking taken. Good luck. Yeah. it's it, Kurt Russell as Jack Burton. I can make a case is almost as good as Han Solo or Indiana Jones as a character. Swashbuckling, ball-busting. His tonation is great. I love his witty, the witty retorts he has. Everything he, every light for the him, that character is green. He stays within the confines of, I'm just a truck driver who can fuck shit up if I have to. Stumbles into this mystical world and just plays along his buddy, yeah, uh, Wang. He's the kung fu guy. Egg Chen, the magician, David Lopan, all that. And it's just the way, the repartee between him and Kim Cattrall, all of it works. And a lot of people were like, well, why didn't they make a sequel? And of course, I'm sure we did too. You know what? This, I think, would have been tainted if they would have tried to do a sequel. They do have comic books, and I did read one, and it's terrible, of after what happens after the uh, the film it's basically that beast that's on the back of the truck well we go through this whole netherworld moral combat kind of thing and it's trash so good thing that that didn't come to life i absolutely love this film it does not lost a heartbeat a step in my in my book yes we know there are flaws but man john carpenter he's got two I, I, halloween is great this is great a few other ones he has not so great but I, this is something you can argue is better than a guilty pleasure I know it bombed the box office. I mean, it came out in the summer of 86. I forgot what it was out exactly at that time in the summer when it was released. But man, it has a cult following. And find a dude over the age of 35 that hates this film. I dare you. Not going to be many. Promise that. So you call it the remote test. test. John calls it the laundry test. Would he watch it while folding laundry? So, John, would you watch this while folding laundry? (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, not only that, I would probably not be able to stop. I, I'd have to stop folding the laundry and just sit down and watch like this. This is grab a glass of wine or some bourbon and, and sit down and watch. Like mm-hmm. I just I, I've seen it several times since since I saw it when I was middle age when it came out. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's I, I mean, it's just fun. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of movies you can say that are just freaking fun and fun constantly. <laughs> They so so much so that you can watch them over and over again, and this is just one of them. Like just, it's you know, there's it's just, go ahead. Sorry, just real quick. Sorry to interrupt this. I just found this. So 1986, Top Gun, 
Labyrinth, oh, yeah. Gung Ho, Stand By Me, Cobra, by me. Short Circuit. So it was a tough movie. It was a tough year. Well, it was right. the 80s. So. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Karate yes. Kid 2, Back to School. So this like, fit right in, though. Wow, oh, that's a murderer's row right there. There are some, I mean, I mean, the, the, and here's the problem: it's it, this is PG-13. There were only a couple R-rated films in that batch you had just referred. So the the competition was fierce for that. I mean, I saw Short Circuit in the theater. Shit, I saw a lot of those films in the theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, Top Gun swallowed everything in its wake, but you know, it's it, it just bad bad release time. But man, it's glorious. Better than Labyrinth. Better than Labyrinth. I'll tell you that. That oh, film yeah. stunk. Yeah, I like Labyrinth 2, but it's different. Like, this is just Labyrinth 2? They did a Labyrinth 2. No, 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 no. I la- Labyrinth is also. Awesome. I'm like, what? <laughs> was I, it directed VHS? I missed yeah. that. Okay. Well, you know, who who knows, right? They might try it again. But yeah, I just, no, I liked, I mean, I liked it. It's, it's just a fun movie. You know, you can sit down. It's like, it's like eating popcorn and it never gets old, really. So, JD, I know the answer to this, but did it still hold up for you? It's my, it's uh, one of my favorite movies. Like this is, I saw it as a kid, but I didn't remember it. I remember it was on HBO, but it didn't really resonate with me. And then in college, it became one of those things that we watched multiple times. So I have the, uh, it's for me when I watch it, I I immediately can go back to hanging out with my buddies in school. And when I was, you know, I was a film student. So like everyone else is talking about, you know, Truffaut and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, big trouble in little China. And I would get deep in it talking about, cause I'd list, man, I've seen this movie so many times. I've listened to the audio commentary from Carpenter and, and Kurt Russell. I just, I love everything about it. And I don't, it really didn't occur to me until recently, just how, how informative it was for me and how, how much it shaped a lot of the stuff I do. Cause this is one of the first examples mainstream of like urban fantasy, right? Like yeah. it's a genre that's super popular now in, in, you know, uh, a prose work, especially, and this movie helps really set that foundation. Cause it is, it's this, you have this urban setting and this guy wanders into a bizarre supernatural situation. I mean, how much of that have we seen, you know, in both comics and, and film and just this movie, it's ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Right. And, Carpenter was talking about how the marketing campaign sucked. The marketing campaign was Jack Burton is coming to save your summer. And nobody knew what that meant, right? Like they held back a lot of it. And it was this wild mixture of Kung Fu films, supernatural stuff, and like not slapstick comedy, but kind of that eighties, you know, action hero type of thing. And it's this weird amalgamation of everything that, that works great. And I think this is a really interesting period in Carpenter's career, right? Where he's really bouncing outside of what he normally does, right? He's not, these aren't horror movies like this in a row. You got, you got this Prince of darkness, which is more of a super like science fiction movie than it is a horror film. And they live like these, that is like the murderer's row. And the next two aren't quite as good. I love they live, but they all kind of pale in comparison to what big trouble in little China is right. Cause it's, it's something that's really different for him specifically. And even at the time, like, you know, it's, all the, we just went over this great list of movies. There's nothing like Big Trouble in Little China in that. No. And again, that's part and of the problem. Well, that's well, why I have a hard time connecting. But I think that's what's made it special and why people remember yeah. it so far. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why more and more is why it's special. First of all, the obvious, it's quotable as fuck. Oh my I God. Still, yes. I still, you know, I never drive fast so that I can see. Besides, besides that, it's all on the reflexes. Uh, reflexes. Shit like yeah. that. See, you drive that. And also, and I'm a big fan of this the score. 
Carper does all of his own scores, and, and Dan, they're all of his films, if not all. I, I mean, I, I can be fact-checked on that. Do you know how good this score is? I have some of the score pieces from Big Trouble in Little China on this very phone. That's how it resonates. And you think of the music, the park, oh, this is the scene where they're, you know, look at them, guys. Ah, 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 ah. All that scene with ready to fight in the bottom, the, the bottom of the, uh, where, where Lil Pan's about to get married. That 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 screams volumes, but the quotability—I mean, you can just any again, any dude. You could as much as Utah Gimme Two is ubiquitous. You can drop a Jack Burton quote in there, and I guarantee you, most dudes are gonna go, mm, "I'm with you." Anyone over thirty-five, like you said, is gonna know it. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna hear it's all in the reflexes, and you just know. Yeah. Like you know, you know, it just it lands. It lands so for me personally, it lands just so perfectly. I can watch this movie anytime. Like I said, remote test. This is something that I'll feel like, God, I just want to watch Big Trouble in Little China and I'll put it on and I'm just, I'm happy for 90 minutes. Like it's, I don't know if I can call it a perfect film, but those, the flaws are kind of what made, I like, I like the flaws in art because that's what gives art personality and character. And it's the weirdness of this movie that makes it great, in my opinion. And doesn't take itself too seriously while being a little cheap. Oh, yeah, not at all. Yeah. So, so just to go back to the other movies that were released around in the same year, okay? So we said Top Gun, but like this was a crazy year. Top Gun, Blue Velvet, Stand By Me, Platoon, Aliens, Ferris oh, Bueller's Day Off, The yeah. Fly, Labyrinth, oh. The Color of Money, Big Trouble in Little China, Howard the Duck, Little Shop of Horrors, yeah. Pretty in yeah. Pink, Highlander came out then. Nine and a half. So bad. Minutes. Crocodile Dundee, Short Circuit. Like you're talking like there are there are movies in here that are a lot of these are cult classics now. And and the you know, and then and and then a lot of the rest of them are just in our like in our vernacular. You know, the color of money and Top Gun both came out in 86. That's a hell of a year for Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, too? I'll I'll give him this. Here's a fun little fact. Do you know there was supposed to release not only Top Gun Maverick this year, but Mission Impossible 7? And he fucking did it again. He pushed it back a third time. I love the mission. Again, the rare the rare thing with the sequels, rare time, the sequel Mission Impossible sequels are far better than the, you know, the first couple or three or whatever. Yeah. These last last three are so bonkers. Goddamn good. Mm -hmm. The first one, the first one we just did on our podcast a few weeks ago. I know people shit on two. I understand why I still like it. Three is not good. Three is the worst one. Great villain of the Hoffman, but the whole plot is just eh, wonky. Four is where this thing starts to skyrocket. Five is great. And Fallout, holy shit, you can argue that as a perfect action film in the last 20 years. Two two was done by Wu, right? Yeah. John Wu? Yeah, Wu. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah you could tell by the flaming pigeons. Right, so... <laughs> doves, doves. <laughs> doves, whatever. <laughs> Same difference. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, like just the number of, of, of movies that came out that same year. And yet uh, now we're still talking about Big Trouble in Little China. Like Little Shop of Horrors is rewatchable after they changed mm-hmm. the ending because the because the audience hated the original ending. You know, Labyrinth, we all, before you talk about that, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, nobody, it's Great. not, I don't know that it's, classic. Yeah, yeah, it's classic, but it's not really re- rewatchable. Like bullshit, re-watchable. bullshit, bullshit. Are you out of your mind? Ferris Bueller. I, Ferris I don't Bueller, think top so. 20. But... Oh, top twenty. It's easy, easy. Again, another quotable film. Yes. Another eight. Another eighties soundtrack that is so off the radar. Good. True. And listen, there are. We, I mean, again, Ferris Bueller's Day Off did on this podcast. By the way, John Hughes, in, our, in this humble man's opinion, he's batting five hundred. He is very hit or very, very missed. Yes. I agree with that. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a very very much is a hit. But but Very if you if you hit. want soundtrack, you go Highlander, right? 
I mean, Queen. Mm, and we did we did Highlander. On. The one song, the one song, the opening song. By the way, also on our podcast, Highlander. I'm sure. Highlander, I mean, how how could you miss that one? <laughs> no, well, Highlander, you think is good, and then you go back and watch it, and it doesn't. I hate it as a kid. Really, yeah. I liked it as a kid, and went back. Did and not like, like it. Ooh, that's why people bitch about the Highlander sequels. Like, do you really, do you really know the original? Like, are you really? paying attention well, to they, it yeah but the the, the second two were the, the, the two and three were uh, they're bad they're bad but i wouldn't i don't think they're that much worse than the original i think highlander as a concept is really good it's never really been executed right True. or there's Fly- flaws in the concept if yeah. you want to say like flight that. of the navigator came out the same year too that's a guy like that movie i haven't seen it in a long uh, time. I, I didn't see it. that until i didn't see that until recently that's that's just 80s fuckery in a bad way it's just and, cheese i didn't dig it and star trek for the voyage home I like that movie. No, that's eighty. I thought I thought that's eighty seven. Star Trek. No, that it says eighty six here. So okay, I, I thought so. This case, all right, I'm wrong. But the but the thing is that I, I, it's a good year. Yeah, it's a it's a cra- one crazy summer. One of my favorites of all time. So mm-hmm. like you know John Cusack. But the thing is like all with all these there, and I think of all of them like this is this is one of the most popular cult classics that people still talk about. You know. I mean, I, you like, could argue, like, you could not argue the most that. popular, not the most popular, the cult classic popular, you know? I would say this movie is popular than a lot of those movies that were released in 86. Like this, this movie gets I was talked just about. Gonna say. Yeah, yep. this movie, I think this movie is held in higher regard than the overwhelming majority of movies you just named. 100%. Three out of four people talk about this Big Trouble mm-hmm. in China more than, you know, 75% of the time they do. There's so only a handful, I, I think. Before what? I say what I thought when I rewatched it, I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, just or no. Well, I know John's answer. So this is just a question for, for, for JD and Kevin because John's single. Did you watch this with your wife or your significant other? My wife other? loves this movie. Okay. And she doesn't my, like a lot. You heard my wife. She's she doesn't care for most of the stuff I'm into. She loves Big Trouble in Little China. My wife, she she likes it not not near as much as I do because whatever. I mean, but it's she she knows it. She can quote. She definitely can quote it too. But I don't think she loves it as much as as we do. Neither of my exes liked it. It just to add to my two cents, which is probably why I divorced. But there's a yeah. So there's a theme so, here, John. There's a through line you should pick up. On. I know, right? So any well. <laughs> So I watched it with my girlfriend last night and God, I don't think she, she was like me, watched it when she was a kid. I've seen it a, a, quite a few times on TV since then. She's never watched it again since she was younger. And it's like, it's like, this is a guy's movie. <laughs> this is oh. such a dumb guy's movie. And For she sure. just doesn't like get it. And it's like, okay. And so she's tearing it down. So then I start tearing it down while I'm watching it. All the little like. You um, pussy, stand your ground. Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> let's let's get into this a little bit then, because one of the things that's been bothering me since I watched it, and I this is I couldn't, I I didn't remember the opening scene when he's at the lawyer mm-hmm. talking about, and they're like, and I oh, believe in magic, or whatever, and then he says, oh, and the, and the city block was destroyed by a a green fire. Nowhere does that tie into the rest of the movie. Well, that's okay. This is a that studio added that because they didn't they wanted something to tie them they didn't think they needed like an intro they felt like just going in cold was bad and they wanted a warm-up piece. No, but that, that was well, it did, no like no it. it did happen it did happen remember oh, how when thunder and those guys that go steal wang's girlfriend from the whorehouse that's what happened the green the green sky the lightning came and zapped the fucking building open it just yeah but like yeah. i don't know it just it was so weird it didn't feel May like- I just answer your question 
and not only that it didn't have the same feel as the rest of the movie it was just such an odd scene it just didn't fit and like yeah i agree with jd like well i'm not i'm not making a statement they give the studio the studio added it on like you can tell but that's the whole thing you can tell the studio went in and says that yeah add this to make it make more sense so i don't know that just was bothering me but yeah no i mean i definitely agree this is this is such a guy's cult classic i have to say that because it's like it's just guys being stupid the karate the the fighting I i think i have a reason why women they hate this the very end when he goes, aren't you going to kiss her, Jack? He goes, no. Nope. And just walks out. <laughs> I love it. I do, too. It's I like freaking all love it. When went the romantic? Oh, yeah. She's like, well, how about we get the truck for two? And we can, you know, da 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 He's like, nah, I'll fuck it up eventually. Like, I thought that was great. I was like, well, oh. It subverted your ex- expectations at every, at every, like, turn. Like, they're going through the tunnel towards the end. And, you know, they're like, there's something bubbling down there. I don't know what it is. And meanwhile, in the back of them, a creature reaches out and grabs somebody and pulls it in. They're like, okay, just keep going. It's like, wait, what? But the bubbling and what that thing and what the hell was that? You, they never get an explanation. It's like, go, 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 go. But it, but that's fun because you're used to them taking time. Oh, here's some exposition. It's like, no exposition. We, we don't have time for that shit. Let's keep going. Let's, you know, that's, let's get to that, more fun parts. That's what I love about this movie is like, it is about subverting expectations a lot. Jack Burton is really the sidekick, right? It's it's, is, Wang's, yeah. it's Wang's journey, but yeah. Jack is so arrogant that he puts himself in the center of it, right? Well, because he wants his fucking three thousand dollars truck, right? But I mean, like that's that's these are Carpenter's words, not mine. Is that Jack Burton is the main character because he 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 chose to be the main character, like he is right. the sidekick that thinks he's the hero, and he fucks up constantly, like when he blows up the Uzi and he, the bricks hit him in the head. Right. So he misses half of the fight and stuff like yeah. that. Like he's an idiot. And that's the fun of that is that's what makes him also such a relatable hero is that he fucks up a lot, you know, but he's still confident and he's still likable in the process. And I think like, that's what makes it relatable to guys. Exactly. Like, cause mm-hmm. we can all picture ourselves doing that, shooting the ceiling and knocking ourselves out while there's a big fight going on. Yes. Where girls are like, that's just kind of stupid. It's like, it's supposed to be, it's a joke. Like, right. And let's that let's think of the joke. Like the movie is in itself is kind of a joke. It's kind of one long joke. And if you're in on it, it's fantastic. But I mean, if you, I don't think it's fair to analyze this movie the way you would analyze like just a normal blockbuster because it really can't be seen through those eyes. It's kind of just a a fun, silly movie that when you understand it's literally all about a, subverting expectations, like it becomes a lot more fun. Because again, that's what, and again, if if a guy. If someone else other than Kurt Russell played Jack Burton, I don't think it would work. Like Kurt Russell, no. had, yeah, it had to be. Yeah, Kurt Russell be completely understood what Jack had to be because it's very hard because he's a dick. Like there's really there should be nothing likable about Jack Burton, but it's like that guy you know in high school who's a complete and total dickhead, but you still kind of love him anyway. Stifler, very Stifler, like very much, <laughs> very good comparison. I love Stifler. He still makes like, you crack up. That's like that's a great comparison of it, and like because it's Kurt Russell, because he's so damn likable, and anything he does it works uh, and the really? lesser yeah, do you know do you, do, you, do, you, do you, did you know kurt russell screen tested for han solo there was footage of that i have yeah. seen that oh jeez yeah. i don't so to, chris, so to christopher walken hey, ooh, that would not have <laughs> no. wouldn't have worked at all kurt russell I yes i don't know about walken kurt russell now. either like it needed it needed really low-key swagger and there's kurt russell is all about the big swagger <laughs> there's a there's an audition video out there of kurt russell and i think it's a william cat from greatest american hero is luke it's pretty interesting oh geez oh wow um, yeah there's a 
there's a lot of stories of of people that auditioned for that movie because like lucas and de palma were sharing the they're auditioning same actors for star wars and carrie at the same time so they Uh, saw a lot of the same people let's not forget some of the other actors in this too because kim cattrall is in this and so is james hong james hong has been in movies since yeah the 1950s it goes back to he's also i mean most people listening to us probably know him as Poe's father in Kung Fu Panda, or it, he's going to be in the new Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai series. But I think if that thing ever comes out. Yeah, true. Mm, yeah. He's, he's been in a few. Also Wayne's Wayne's world too. What a glorious piece of shit that was, but he was in that film. Yeah. He actually, he was just in the Hollywood walk of fame, by the way, you know, who died on nine 11 egg oh. Chen. But not 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 in the not in the terrorist oh, yeah. attack. But just last he year, actually yeah. died. Yeah, he just died on 9-11. That's how Hang Chen, which yeah. Hang Chen, the oh wait, Victor the Victor, what's his last name? Yeah. Victor Wong. Yeah. Hang Chen. Victor Wong. Right? That's he a shame because he was amazing, you know. He yeah. he could like it, they picked like the perfect people for every part of this, really. It's well, it's well cast, man. It's really mm. well cast. Do you have more? Yeah. Do you have more blasphemy to throw in this movie, Dave? That everyone else is praising. <laughs> what? Do you have more blasphemy to throw in this film? No, I don't have any more. Girlfriend blasphemy. didn't like it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no, I do have a question though, and, and it's complete seriousness. Could this movie be made today? And no, no I don't think so. I mean, it's I'm not very, as quite as bad test- as Blazing Saddles, but it's still not like I've never heard anyone go after this movie as being like um, insensitive. Mm-hmm. I can see the argument being made, but I mean, like, I don't think any, I've never heard it. I never heard it, but if someone said that, I, I probably would have to like unlisten the argument that said, I don't think, I don't know if anyone has the guts to make a movie this ridiculous that just wades into a completely different culture. I mean, I honestly, I would, I don't know. I know the, well, the rock tried and it never got off the ground. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, they're mo- that's, and that's another thing. It's like these days, I, well, like we were saying before, most of the, uh, producers and 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 studios they're going to the well they're going to see what what worked let's see if we can make a number two number three or a prequel or whatever like this was this it must have been ballsy to make this movie like i mean not as not as bad as in 1980s where like you they made a lot of very weird very first time movies back then but carpenter had so much still- cachet from halloween mm-hmm. from the thing they're like sure john whatever you want you know here's your budget but the, the, the thing saying- wasn't a critical success back then though no it was not a success no. at all. Oh, okay. oh oh no escape the malay there's another one we forgot yeah, yeah. That's another great. I mean, escape from New York. Sorry, escape from New York. L.A. was in escape 90- from New York. Yes, ninety-seven. Yeah. And that was that was a piece of shit. Uh, that's yes. another film that does not hold up. Escape from New York, by the way, guys. Ugh. Really, I haven't uh, seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, right. I did a Twitter poll on our, on the Guarding the Sacred Cow page because some guy was like, I, we were talking about Escape from New York and uh, the character Snake Plissken, and of course Jack Burton. I go, more people like Jack Burton than Snake Plissken. He's like, you're wrong. You're so wrong. The poll came back fifty-one forty-nine. Snake Plissken. <laughs> really. Lord, Lord, wow. shocked to hear Lord. that. I, I'm Lord, I'm not, I'm not surprised. That for the for the sequel has to tarnish that to some degree. I know it's not his fault, but it's just and Escape from New York isn't that good. It's more, it's all nostalgia based. That's what this, again. That's what we do in this podcast. We go, you can't rely on nostalgia. Watch it again. That shit does not hold up. Big Trouble in China does. And there's a lot of there's a lot of carbon movies that I don't think hold up that great. I don't think Assault on Precinct 13 holds up real well. No. I don't care for that one. I do think The Thing holds up really well. I think The Thing is something that people came to appreciate more much and more later on. Yeah. 
Like, I do think that's a really good one. But I mean, Car- that's what I like about Carpenter is he doesn't like just stay in one lane. Like he will venture out and try something like he made Starman. You know, that's a weird movie. Never saw. By the way, the thing I liked it better when it was called the alien, because that's exactly what it is. In, it's very in, similar. The, the, what do you mean? It's very it's fucking carbon copy. It's, this thing. Yeah. Except possesses him instead of just goes in his chest and kills him. Well, but it's the that's same what makes thing. it. It's a different movie though because then it's a hoodie. It's like a trust movie as opposed to just a horror. Like a, like instead of a scare, who's what's around the corner horror movie? It's a who do you trust horror movie, which puts it a little bit different. But I get your argument. Like I can't. Yeah. Well, just, just the same vein. I can't argue that at all. But, just yeah. remember that the thing is a remake of the thing from another world from the 1950s. Yeah, but it's a very different movie. Oh, it is a different movie. Yeah. But it took its. I mean, it it. Yeah, it, it's it like in it's like in name and setting only. Yeah, like the thing for another world is very different than John Carpenter's. Before. But he, but it wasn't like it wasn't like you looked at aliens and said, oh, "I'll do that." But I don't know, like, I, yeah, this I, I don't like. I said I, I don't know what to say. This is this. How much more can you say about this? It's like this. Every once in a while, I'll say, you know, I've got some time to spend. I I I, I want to watch something fun. It is, and fun. this is this is in that vein. All right, we've been kissing this movie's butt. So <laughs> I got to know, is there anything in the movie that seriously that you didn't like or has bothered you about the movie? We'll uh, start I, with Okay, yeah, go ahead, John. No, go, you go first. Uh, no, I, well, I mean, originally I was kind of upset at the, you know, they didn't end up together, but now it's like it's subverted my expectations, <laughs> you know, like that made it better actually. Because that's what you expect. And you're probably thinking, oh, great, he doesn't have to pay alimony. You know, like, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, you know, there are certain perspectives that I have. But yeah, I, I, no, I mean, otherwise, I, I can't tell you anything about this movie. Like, it just, you accept it for what it is. You know, it's not one of those movies that I can really, I, I know I like picking stuff apart, but I really can't pick this one apart because it's just, it doesn't take itself seriously, so I don't have to take it seriously, which means that you can sit there without having to worry about anything, you know? Roger Ebert always talked about you have to evaluate a movie by what is it trying to do, right? Mm. You can't you can't look at every movie the same way. Like, what is the movie's goals? What is it trying to accomplish? I really think this movie does what it's trying to do, right? It is what it wants to be. Like, it's not, it's not a confused movie. It's not a muddled movie. Like, it, it's like when they made it, it was a Western, and they, they, they updated it. Right. So it hits that like it does feel like a Western, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, like it has these Far East influences that are all over it. Like it's this pop culture Cuisinart and it 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 hits it. It hits it like it's exactly what it wants to be. So honestly, Dave, nothing bothers me about the movie. Like it just it makes me happy when I watch it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like I can't sit there and say, well, you know, Carpenter could have done this and could have done that. Like, I think everything works. Like I think this like people say, well, I don't care for the soundtrack. And I'd say, well, you're wrong because that's what it's supposed to be. But, you know, the, the Coupe de Ville's Big Trouble in Little China song is silly, but it's supposed to be silly. So, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think it works. I think it just I think it it hits what it wants to be. And very few films do that. Very few films are so unapologetically what they are. OK, yeah, this I'll tell you why this film really works. All of what you said is above is all of you guys, what you've said about it is very true the character characters are so fucking endearing and likable and guys like me have mimicked the goddamn main character speech pattern in jest or even just for the hell of it because he's that much fun there is no fat on the bone it's like an hour and 35 it gets in it gets out it's like dread an hour and a half of shit blowing up is what you want to see right well dread gave that to you one of the few reboots i enjoyed the shit out of i argue 
Probably the best reboot, maybe the Star Trek film you could throw in there. But other reboots, you can go fuck themselves. This, again, same thing, 95 minutes or thereabouts. Action, bing, bang, boom, characters, quotable. And like you said, as we said before, it does take itself seriously. Humor, all that, done. No complaints. There's no fat in this bone. Okay. All right. I I will take that, you know? I mean, I, I think the only thing I would cut out is that opening scene. I just feel like it's unnecessary. Like we no. can just start with Jack in the in the trailer. I mean, like Jack Carpenter agrees with me. So yeah. I mean, like I can't I can't fight it. But for me, I enjoy it because I think it gives you a slight taste of what you're going to get into, right? Just seeing Egg Shen do that little bit of magic tells you what this movie is going to be. And quite frankly, the audience in 1986 didn't know what this movie was going to be. True. So I think that I think it does work. And I can't. I again, I accept the argument. It doesn't bother me because you know Egg Shen's awesome. So yeah. I wonder, I, I can't remember, like, I can't remember, but I wonder if they took part of what they, the, the preamble that they put in there and, and used that for the uh, commercials. So, so the audience did know a little bit of something besides the, you know, we'll save your Christmas or whatever, whatever. The, Jack Burton you know, will save your summer. Coming to save, we'll your, save summer. your summer. Yeah. I mean, like they, they would, they tack, did they tack that on after the movie was finished or? Yeah, it was the marketing camp. Oh, the the, the opening scene. Yeah, that yeah, was a yeah. reshoot. That was pickup. Yeah, so so maybe they and, and they did that and then they threw it in the commercials, which was dumb because yeah. you should you should, should have just showed the oh, someone fucked up. Just should have shown the three <laughs> storms doing cool shit. That's all you needed to do if they could hook people in there and Jack Burton fighting them. I agree. Instead of that monologue, instead of that monologue, which I, it didn't really bother me. He kind of tells a story without like once upon a time, blah 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 blah. He says, "Hey, you know, Jack's pissed, and why after Jack? Jack's a great guy and." goes into it yeah no i i i totally agree the what was i gonna say i was gonna say something about the three storms oh i will say this when i was younger i thought the the one of them was supposed to be raided from oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah you sounded no, that, like great they have they have that is a major lawsuit i am floored never happened because yeah. that's exactly what that was because anyway, when mortal Kombat came out in 1990 i don't know two like, like holy that, shit, yeah. that's a that's from fucking Big Trouble in Little China. Every kid across America said that. Hmm. I even have a I, I should have worn it today. I, I do have a shirt. Got it last year. Just the three storms. This happened. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool. There's but, a lot of lawsuits that came out of the original that could have come out of the original Mortal Kombat. Like you're gonna tell me Luke Kang isn't Bruce Lee? Like, yeah, <laughs> straight up. Like yeah. it's uh. Eh, there's a lot, but yeah, I, that was the big story when I was a kid too, because I'm younger than you guys. And when we saw Mortal Kombat or Big Trouble Check, oh, Raiden, that's supposed to be Raiden. It's one of those like, like the Ultimate Warrior died and yes. replace him type of like apocryphal playground stories. Or or Fei Long and Street Fighter Turbo with Bruce Lee. Yeah, I do want one of those hats though. They're cool hats. <laughs> so so what is it? Car- Carpenter did. Starman just before Big Trouble in Ultron, and then after that he did Prince of Darkness, Prince of Darkness and, then, and then they and live. Then they live, yeah. I said that earlier in the podcast. I, I know. I'm just looking at it as Christine. Yeah, they live was '88. Yeah. Okay. They live was '88. This is, yeah. uh, and the thing was 1980. This yeah, is so just he, more proof that John doesn't listen to the podcast even I, while we're even recording. while he's recording it. I'm <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Posh. All right. So, all right. What's okay? All right. Favorite quote. Favorite Jack Burton quote from the movie. Oh my god. I have that, that's a quote right there. <laughs> like, that's one of the quotes. All right, here you go. Here's mine because I do this all the time. People running, running around here dropping light flies, and where's that getting us, huh? Nowhere. Fast. Hey, you know, old Jack Burton always says at a time like this, who? Jack Burton. Me. Old Jack always says, what the hell? 
perfect diction too. I'm a very reasonable guy, but I've just experienced some very unreasonable things. That quote right there is like shaped everything I've ever created. It is just the perfect, like Joseph Campbell, stranger to strange land, throw a hero into a situation quote. It's just perfect. It is a perfect sentence for a movie. <laughs> well, that was going to be mine. <laughs> I beat you. John. Okay, you people sit tight. Hold the fort and keep the home right, fires the burning. Home fires burning. And if we're, we're not, not back, back by, by done, call the call president. The president. <laughs> That's why you, he's a cocky, snarky fuck, and I love. I so love great. that. I know. I loved. I love the scene when they're they're escaping and everyone's following them after they get out of the sewer and they're at that door and he's like he's like all right you know he's telling them like we're, we're, the, we'll get right out the store we're right out we're we're home free one. Two, three, he opens it. There's all those. Uh, he only saw me. Hide, hide, hide. <laughs> well, it goes, he first he closes it and goes, We might be trapped. <laughs> That's some like Warner Brothers shit right there. That's why yes. it's, so, it's so perfect, man. Like, again, if you put anyone else in that role, I don't think they quite get the, the balance between arrogance and being in over your head, but never losing your cool. Yeah, and he says them, he says them as a straight man. Like it's almost like saying. a John. It's almost like a John Wayne esque delivery, right? Yeah, like the way even the rhythm in his delivery is kind oh, of yeah, like no, that. He's, yeah, he's, he says it with a swagger. It's like it's so great, man. Was another one that just remember what old Jack Burton does when the earthquakes and the poison arrows fall yeah, from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, Jack Burton just looks at that big old storm right square in the eye and he says, "Give me your best shot, take pal. Best shot, I can pal. take it. I can <laughs> take, take it. it. It's great stuff. God damn." I bet Carver, I bet they had the best time writing that script. Oh I really yeah, do. like yeah, it's just it's just epic, man. Like the stuff, and it's like you don't get movies like I don't want to say this anymore, but it's very rare you get a movie that's this quotable. Like there's just so many great quotes you can pull from it. Like virtually anything Kurt Russell says, and a lot of the stuff that Lopan says is pretty quotable too. To be honest with you, same with actually. I mean, there's so my other, my good. favorite my favorite Lopan. You are not put on this earth, Mister Burton, just to get it. <laughs> So great. Sure God, sure. I love this movie. Yeah, man. Slide over, buddy. This is a fucking winner. Do you think all of his quotes are Carpenter, or do you think uh, Kurt Russell had some input in the So they have dialogue. such a great relationship that it wouldn't surprise me if there's a little bit of there's there's a little bit of Kurt Russell in there too, because they'd work together. I think this is their fourth movie. I was about to point. say there's at least two before this. So when they did the no, Elvis they movie. live Escape from LA. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I did the yeah, Elvis movie, the, the thing, Escape from Escape LA, from Escape New, New York. York. Yeah, this is their yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they have a great relationship, right? So I think that that actually pays up too. I think when when an actor and a director really like each other and have like an, a great back and forth creative creative flow, you get stuff like this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. All right. Well, I don't think we, we can kill that any. shit, guys. Right. I was about to say we can't say anything more about this show or this movie. Okay, so so let's let's revisit this question that we've brought up on this show before. Would you want to see a reboot? No, no, no. My rule, my rule is my rule is simple. If you already did it right the first time, you don't need to do it again. See, and I, and I haven't seen these re- reboots because of this thing. Uh, RoboCop, the original, is fucking great. No need to see that again. Point Break, amazing. Total Recall, genius. I am not wasting my time. By the way, and those reboots, PG-13. So not only do they sully our, our, our intelligence, they also are insulting us by making it – they're watering it down with those three reboots. No, right. thank you. This film is perfect. Do not touch it. My only time you should do a reboot is when the original sucks. And again, Judge Dredd sucked. 
Dread was fantastic because it sure. sucked. Do it, do it over when it stinks, not when it's done right the first time. Okay. I've long advocated a Highlander reboot. Yeah, because I think we've talked, work, yeah, talked about that. Yeah. They'd have to clean up the mythology first and make sure. Well, that's that, a reboot, you know. man. They would yeah. have to reboot it. Yeah. Yes. Maybe, yeah. maybe when they have a guy who's actually Scottish, doesn't need to play <laughs> a Spaniard in the film. Or a French well, I told you my, Scott. I told you my uh, concept for a reboot. What did you say? What, which concept? They're fallen angels. Oh, that's I'm different. Not familiar with that. So, how about they reboot Jaws four? That was a real piece of shit, right, fellas? <laughs> everything after every, everything after Jaws two. I mean, after was, one. I think everything after Jaws. Uh, Jaws two. Jaws two sucked too, my friend. Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> yeah, Wait, which but two is terrible. Is, which one's for revenge? Like compared to Jaws three D and four, come on, Jaws three D. They're all terrible. They're all bad. Jaws three D. They're but, in SeaWorld. He's killing people in SeaWorld. I know, but it's like Jaws 1 was... I Jaws, like that, to be Jaws was great. Jaws 2 was okay. I, I, you mm, fell off mm. the cliff and hit Jaws 3. I can't believe And then you bounced down, the, down in, into the ocean. By, by, the, by the way, by the way, Jaws was a t- was uh, on our podcast. Someone tried to take really? down Jaws. Wow. That I gotta find. That would be hard to do. There. Like I said, there are there, some there, things that are sacrosanct, and that's one of them. There, there were listen. Our list of bulletproof films, like this, is never going to get touched. Like damn near a lot of the only ones I can think of top of my head that are not been attempted: L.A. Confidential, Shawshank, Goodfellas, Casino. Those are the four. Oh, and Godfather one. We did, yeah, one. Someone did two on our podcast. So, Ow. like jo- yeah. Jaws is one of those movies where everything that went wrong only made the. The, the movie better, yeah, better. <laughs> like, I know. like Bruce Bruce malfunction so you don't get to see the shark as much great it heightened the tension you know it's like they couldn't they couldn't go wrong with that yeah shoot from POV God Spielberg's a fucking genius he is except when, except when he did Ready Player One oof ouch bad well that was that was that was I don't know like if you re- if you read the book just, you took personal offense the book was all my favorite books too the book I was all the over book. the place. That's one of my favorite books of all. That's my favorite books of all time. I, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. It. I kind of thought he went off the rails when he said, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to finish AI." There's a reason Kubrick didn't finish it. The story wasn't done. Yeah, yeah but you got to remember, he was friends with Kubrick, and he tried to finish it like Kubrick would have, but it was hard because he was mixing his own. Yeah, because he's not. He's it, not Kubrick, right? You get right. Yeah, so you, you get some see, stuff. You can see there's stuff in that movie that's very Stanley Kubrick, and there's uh-huh. stuff that's very Steve, that's very Steven Spielberg, right? Like, it's fine. It's I don't love the movie, but it is no. what it is. Yeah. I haven't seen in twenty some years, and whatever, we'll see. Yeah, Spielberg, the last fifteen has been off for me. I I, I love him. He's my favorite director for the first thirty five ish. Money cannot argue with you. I can't think of a movie I've really liked of his in a long time. I mean, those last few I didn't like Lincoln. I didn't like Bridge of Spies. I didn't care. The one with the, the, the paper, the newspaper one he did recently. The Post. Boring. Yeah, it's War Horse didn't give a shit. Oh, God. Ready Player One. <laughs> it's been rough. It's been rough. Maybe well, guys, we did it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is a good place to wrap it up. So let's go around. First, Kevin, you can plug your podcast one more time. And then this has uh, been the greatest this has been the greatest appearance because I could do a fucking 20 minute commercial for my podcast. But in case you, you know, <laughs> fast forwarded through it, 
guttingthesacredcow.com. Our guests pick a film they find overrated or hate, trying to convince us, the host, to see their argument. But, of course, the film must meet one of these criteria, widely beloved, critically acclaimed, or a financial success. David came on and tried to do X-Men Days of Future Past. Other films have been done. The aforementioned Jaws, Back to the Future, The Matrix, Die Hard, uh, Mission Impossible, recently American Pie, Beverly Hills Cop this week. Next week, upcoming weeks will be Speed, will be RoboCop, will be, I mentioned, oh shit, The Natural, as well as The Exorcist. So we have over 140 episodes. The Dark Knight, can you believe that? Every Batman film has been done except for Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and Batman 66. So those are only Batman films. Superman's been done on this podcast. Indiana Jones, all three Indiana Jones films have been done too. Go figure. So... You guys have got your homework. So guttingthesacredcow.com. I'm Kevin Goatee, K-E-V-I-N-G-O-O-T-E-E.com for whatever my stand updates and whatever. Uh, but Gutting the Sacred Cow, give that a look. YouTube, all podcast platforms. Boys, appreciate the talk. Well, you actually messed up. There's actually four Indiana Jones movies. No, no, no I, I, I didn't mess up. No, there is. no one acknowledges it. <laughs> all right. And then do you have any recommendations besides people listening to your podcast? Or did you learn anything yeah. on the podcast this week? Did I, I learn learned anything that, on oh. the podcast? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you. You were going. You're speaking. No, first, you go. Right? You're the guest. You're the guest. I usually go first. So please. Okay. What did I learn? I need to go watch episode three of fucking Kenobi now. I know. I know. I need to do that. I learned a couple things about Carpenter. I did not know. I did not know that the thing was an original film from the '50s. I did also did not know the original uh, Little Shop of Horrors. I, I saw the remake in '87. I was like, this sucked. And uh, I did not know they changed the ending. I never saw the original Little Shop of Horrors because. If I didn't like the reboot, maybe I won't like the original. And I don't like musicals, but I know they changed the ending according to you fellas. So I learned a few new things tonight. So cool. All right. Well, JD. I learned about this podcast. It sounds right up my alley. And I keep every time yeah. you listen to something, I'm like, dude, how are people going to say that? Which is a good what you want. You want a good hook for a podcast. So I'm in. I'm very excited. I'm currently, I'm not finished yet. I'm reading Shadows of the Empire because I'm on the Star Wars kick and I'm quite enjoying Oh, I read book. that. Wait, wait, wait. Is that the one with, with, that's with the, the Nintendo 64 game, right? That is correct. Dash I'm Rendar. In, exactly I read that is. book years ago when the game came out in 64. It's fucking good. They should have made that movie, J.J. Abrams, instead of The Force Awakens and that shit. I read. I tried reading it in college, and I left the paperback in the uh, the cafeteria, and I, I lost it. And I'm just like, Ooh. you know, I want to read this book again. So I've been really enjoying good. myself. It's, it's it is really good. It's really held up. Mm-hmm. Shame it's not canon anymore, but it should be. Well, they are bringing a lot of that stuff back. They are, and totally. Chris Shizor is a very interesting character that I would love to see brought to life. And I would say I'll re-raise Grand Admiral Thawne in the Zahn books, the, the three sequels. Shit, why weren't those films made instead of the one that J.J. Abrams? Though those are perfect. They teed really everything are. up beautifully. I go, wow, how do we miss that? And that came out. Shit, I was graduating high school. It's '95 when that first one came out. What are we doing, guys? That's Disney. Go go, go to the library or Amazon, whatever you want. And th- those are your scripts. Thank you, <laughs> John. What do you want from me? I mean, like, I don't you got a recommendation. You got something you learned. What? I'm, I'm like, I've, I've got, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really have a recommendation. I, like I said, I'm in the middle of rereading all of Jim Butcher's books. I, oh, yeah. I suggest reading those. They're way more fun than I remember. And I, I this is like my fourth read through. Which one are you on right now? I'm in, what is it? Jeez, I'd have to look it up. It's, it's Death Masks. So okay. Number okay. five. You're not watching an anime with a crazy title? No, no, I just like this, this, well, it's been a long time since I've been able to focus and read books. I'm kind of happy I'm back onto, which means I can catch up on all of your books where I'm dead. So yeah, it's, yeah, I'd say 
I'd say Jim Butcher because he's he's coming out. He's coming close to his three book Armageddon. And this is going to happen. Three. You guys have been talking to me about this for like five years, and I don't think it's ever. He's ever he's written, he just he's released written two books. Okay. Yeah, he he took a bunch of time off because he got divorced and had some had a health scare. But he's back on the back on the horse, and he is still one of the best writers. Like I'm reading his beginning books, and I cannot understand we were... how much alliteration he puts into this stuff. Like I don't know where he gets. The length and breadth of his vocabulary. Sometimes. Yeah, we, we reviewed the first two on the show last year. Yeah, so so go back and read and watch that, and then read the books. So that's it for me. All right. Well, I would recommend that you go to superheroespeak.com where you can find the podcast every week. Links to our social media at the top of the page, but comic book reviews by our good friend D Square and much more. And I learned that JD and I are much better Star Wars fans than Kevin and and John because. We couldn't wait to see episode three. Dude, I'm the guy who constantly misses the Marvel shows, and John's always giving me crap about it. So exactly. It feels weird to be ahead of the curve. But I don't I don't have any recommendations. And and yeah, and go check out Gutting the Sacred Cow. Uh, oh, a show you. where there's a recommendation. Uh-huh. Where where the two Kevins set themselves up to be heroes every week, defending the movie you love while they bring some schlub on to try to tear it down, and they can go, ha ha! See, we were right all along. Sometimes it's just us, the opposite of what you did that day. Sometimes we all sit there and shit on it ceremoniously. I've heard comments where day. people said they agreed with some of the points i made so we'll we'll leave it at you, that. you made you made some salient points doesn't mean the overall argument was the result that you sought and, and achieved mm, what happened when you woke up dave oh wow wow well on that note, boys Zing. and girls as always thanks for listening and don't let you keep caught in the door